What's up, Maxi? Hey, I'm starting to look like you did a few years ago. I'm all scraggly. It's Monday morning. <laughs> I was supposed to get a haircut. I'm leaving at three o'clock in the morning today. Now I got to go around. My barber had to go do something. So now I got to run around and find a haircut. But you know what? Before I did that, I said, we have to get together and record. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's good. You're leaving to what? Wicked Weekend? Oh, oh yeah. Wicked Weekend. You're, you're a busy man these days, Keaton. I think I'm going to be busy to the end of the year. I hope so anyway. But you know what? We'll talk about that and more as we drop this intro and uh, we get talking. We got to talk about Enats. We got to talk about Raw. Uh, sorry, Raw Enats and the probably the worst 10 scale Euros ever, which happened this past weekend. Not my words, by the way, people. Words of many other people. Uh, I'm just repeating what was told to me. But as soon as, uh, there we go. I forgot. My buddy moved all my, my intros and all that stuff up the top. I actually have some sort of organization now here. But with that said, <laughs> let's drop that intro. Wrong That's in- not the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Where, oh, there we go. Dropping that intro. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast. Get ready for some serious bench racing. But be warned, we speak our minds, express our thoughts, and sometimes things can get a little rowdy. Hate, and he just was influenced by the hate coming from the left, the hate coming from the right. And let's get back to more club racing and less of this See what I mean? That's exactly why people call you arrogant, Max. You may not agree with everything we say, but it's definitely worth a listen. And our pick, can you stop whatever you're doing? Join your host, Leslie the Great, with co-hosts and guests as they get together <laughs> to chat our series. Hey, after that race that I watched this morning, I have to talk about it. Hundred bucks right here, hundred dollar throw. Oh no! <laughs> I like this. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Nitro's the glory, but e buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 247 of the No Name RC Podcast. I'm your host, Keno White, a.k.a. Lefty the Great. And over to my virtual left, right, whatever I've kept, is the arrogant one in the forest. No longer in the jungle, but he's now in the forest. No singing this week, Lefty. I have the I have the orchid here. You have the orchid. Okay, so we're going back to Let's in, make the, in jungle, the, the mighty <laughs> jungle, the lions. All right, Max and his orchid, arrogant Max, professor of everything. Welcome back, Maxie. Thank you. It's been how long? Almost two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, yeah well, one and a half weeks since we were on. Well, we we were supposed to record, and then I think you got busy. Then we was like, yeah. hey, we're going to do the Euros. We was going to drop a Euros recap of two-wheel drive last week, but being as I did an um, impromptu uh, lefty off the record with the fabulous one, Barry Baker, which was actually really good. Um, if you guys want to check that out, we have the replay episode two, four, six. Uh, it was really good to have your your RC dad, Bartholomew Baker. Yeah, 
He said he I would don't have know a... what he's gonna do now. Maybe he's hey, maybe he's gonna join Mayako now. He you know what? TLR and he's gonna join Mayako. Salty Joe is right now. Salty Joe is convinced that's gonna happen, and I'm like, really? Yeah, but I'm like, to do what? Like he, we need a they, Mayako needs a manager, not just a consultant or a mechanic. Well, I mean, Barry could be like Joseph's dad too, you know. Not only as a you know dad of the podcast for me, but like dad of life for Joseph, you know, because I think Joseph kind of needs that. He needs a father figure in his life. He he's hitting his forties now. It's a new new chapter for him, so mm-hmm. he needs some someone more experienced, you know. Interesting. All right. Uh, before we do that, let's before we. But thank you, Barry. I want to say thank you for your time. It was exceptional. Daddy Mayako. He's going to be Daddy Mayako. Oh, my gosh. He's going to have a conniption when he hears this. Uh, but it was definitely good to have him on. The the people, the listeners enjoyed it. We had like 200 viewers for two and a half hours. And, um, yeah, they enjoyed it. And it's going to be interesting. We're going to talk about Barry and defend and defend and all that there and all. Because, you know, we're going to touch on the Enats. But uh, before hey, we do that, go ahead. Shouldn't we talk about the defund that uh, TLR is doing? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that when we get going. Uh, but you know what? Before we do that, I would like to say thank you to some people. First off, I'd like to say thank you to all of the NNRC squad around the world. We can't do it without you guys. Thank you for all the support. Uh, the podcast finally hit 4K uh, subs. I hope we can get up to five or at least 4,500 by the end of the year. I would love to get 5K by the end of the year, and we can do a a, uh, a giveaway of some sort. Max is now watering his orchid. Um, uh his pet orchid so please if you haven't already go hit that sub notification like or dislike button leave a comment and share the podcast share to all your facebook groups share to all your friends if you have have friends that haven't heard about the nnrc and they're eight scale or ten scale racers then they should know about this because we geek out on this stuff also i would like to say special thanks to all of the patrons you guys get a patron early release podcast this week i'll tell you more about that in a second uh when i finish doing this so you will get that later on this week. And then <clears throat> it's a really, it's pretty special podcast to me, but I'll touch on that. Uh, but thank you for your support. Also to the YouTube members, you'll get that same podcast as well. Uh, if you wish to support the podcast a little bit more monetarily, you can. The links for both are in the written description of this podcast or, you know, just follow us on, on YouTube and you can join right there. Also, uh, we would like to say thank you to these companies. Remember everybody showing the sponsor some love, shows the podcast some love. We have, uh, we have links where you can check out all these sponsors. We have some affiliate links. We have some coupon codes. And we have some, just some links there to the companies. If you do buy something from them, just say, hey, I heard about this. On the No Name RC podcast, they're doing a great job of advertising for you. Uh, they are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Sun Pedal USA, Sidewinder Fuel, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC. I just saw a uh, clinic getting some new engine parts in. Ignite Design RC, Stacked RC, Racecraft USA. Uh, shout out to Carl RC, WRC, Danny Pass, who I'll be working with her shortly. Uh, I'm flying to see him tomorrow in Fort Lauderdale. Shout out to the Florida RC Championships, uh, RCGP, and shout out to our drivers, Dave Ranafalk, Robert Badier, who was in Brazil, looked great, Alexander Hagberg, and I think Thibaut is still on board. He's still my friend. I'll see Thibaut this, this weekend, and I'll give him a big, big hug. Uh, so thank you, Tebow. Uh, real quick, some shout outs. I want to say happy birthday to Michael, uh, Paidmeyer up there in Canada. 
It's his birthday today. John Kurz, his birthday. Katie Carmendi, Peter Bartel, uh, all my good friends. That Happy birthday to you guys. Also, Mitch Watson celebrated his birthday recently. So that was good to see. Uh, Dog Days RC, they sent me an email. They're doing something pretty cool. They're actually taking uh, tracks and RCs to people. Uh, so I saw another guy. That's pretty cool. They're really uh, doing some positive things up there in Pennsylvania. And then Joe Zaire Jr. of Ran on a Talent also showed me uh, another guy that's doing it up in Minnesota, like portable tracks going to different areas, getting people racing and all that stuff. Hey, man, we need to hit the growth of RC from all angles and all ways possible. So congratulations to those people. Uh, that sounds like an excellent initiative. And uh, I support all of that. So, Max, uh, before I go on any further, we do have another podcast coming out this week. I finally got uh, Rupert Pumpernickels, a.k.a. JQ, a.k.a. Beaker, to sit down and interview me. So um, I get to tell my life story. And it was pretty good. It was like three and a half hours. I didn't touch on everything. But <laughs> uh, prior to RC, I've had a pretty interesting life, I would say. <clears throat> Definitely abnormal for most people, in my opinion. And uh, some people might have just discovered the podcast. <clears throat> I know I've told my story a few times on other podcasts, but some people might not know what really like, well, how did this guy from Bermuda end up talking so much about RC? Well, that's going to be dropped later on this week. But for the patrons, you guys will get early release of that probably tonight or tomorrow <clears throat> and the YouTube members. So if you want to hear that early and want to know my story, uh, you can uh, check that out. And it's uh, it's pretty cool. I hope it inspires some people because uh, you know, there's lots of times I could have just said fuck it and not and quit and just felt sorry for myself and not did anything. <clears throat> and I haven't like my life's been an adventure uh, for the last 17 years. So you, you can check that out later on. But hey, Max, real quick, uh, I got to do some RC yesterday at, uh, morning. I went to run my big gas yellow boat that you see behind us. Oh, man, I haven't been nervous like that in so long. I actually forgot how much fun doing RC can be. So me and my buddy went, we ran that, we took my electric boats, we shaked on of that, you know, we wanted to run it and see how it's going to be fast. And, um, but unfortunately the boats for the coil came out and we had that ended our day, but then I ran the electric boats, but it was just a really great day of enjoying RC, you know, and, and doing it. So that was fun. I look forward to coming back. I'm going to build my other catamaran. I got my crawlers. I got my techno MT410 that I got to finish off. So, we're going to be doing a lot more RC after this race. So that was fun. And uh, I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day that we remember that 99.9% .9 of us that don't do this for a living as a professional driver, even the professional drivers have to have fun. But the most important thing is to have fun. And sometimes just as simple as going out there on a Sunday morning with your buddy, running a, a brand new boat in, you know, hoping that it doesn't lose control and crash into the shore. That's fun. Okay. Maybe not the crash. I did not. Oh, and I got to use my retrieval tug as well. So I have a retrieval tugboat that uh, I get and uh, it went out and got the boat when it cut out or whatever. And it was fun. I, I had a, I had just as much fun with the retrieval tugboat going two miles an hour, retrieving the boat as I did driving the boat around. So uh, that big yellow boat, when I get back, you can see that it's the hatches on it. I'll get the hatch. I got to put some more holes on it for airflow. And then I'm going to get it wrapped. It's going to be like an NNRC. It's a high-tech sponsor boat because it's got high-tech servos in it. And yeah, I'm going to make it look wicked. And then I'm going to start on my, my blue catamaran. And then 
once it's done and once it's paid off, next year I'm going to work on get another boat. Boats, you never, you never have enough boats, dude. Boats, boats, boats. You know, yeah, my boy Sean Rusin, who's a really good friend of mine, he loves RC. He, uh, he has gone absolutely nuts for boats. He has now about ten, and he just started about a year ago with boats, and he's got like five gas boats now, and he just got another one. So that's my good friend. He's he loves RC. Me and that dude talk every day, just sending voice notes and talking about RC. And Max, you went to a new track this weekend? Yeah, it's kind of like the thing is that this club used to have a track for around 10 years. Uh, well, they, they've had a track since like early 2000s, but they they built a new track in 2010 and that was supposed to be there for <laughs> the almost eternity because it was like a huge motor park, you know, but then there was some big issues, some fraud all kinds of stuff with the full scale track and what ended up happening that the whole, the whole thing got shut down and that kind of took, uh, took the club's RC track with them as well. So Was this a track for, that you and Jake, you used to go to all the time? Yeah, this is, the, it was the really rough track. and, and yeah. yeah okay. That, okay. So that, it's that the one close to you. Like, yeah. That, that track was like five miles from Joseph's house. So it was like, that's that's the track where all of Joseph's cars have been de- developed and and pretty much I went to th- that track every week. But since that track closed due to kind of things out of the hands of the RC club, um, more <laughs> bigger bigger um, issues uh, up the food chain uh, had to close the whole park down for a while. So since then, 2019, uh, sorry, 2020, uh, they've been kind of looking for a new venue, new place. And like being in Helsinki, it's really difficult because they want, it, want to have it central where all the hobbyists are, but all of that. And then there was issue getting uh, good clay because there is no, not much uh, available um, in the Helsinki area. And there was a lot of issues uh, throughout the years, but finally they've, after two years of hard work, they've got uh, a new track open. And yeah, it's really nice. Uh, good to have a track like that again, quite close to home. Awesome. Awesome. It looks pretty nice. Looks pretty big. Um, good yeah. Good that you guys got a track going. That's also a mission here for me to get a track going here. We have the land. Now we forgot. We got it, a friend. Well, we just get to know him. Who just, he's like a basher, but he's getting into the racing. So we'll see. We'll see. it. Everything takes time. Uh, but yeah, man, good weekend for me. Uh, actually, today I'm going to be pretty busy after I finish recording this. I got to go get haircuts, get everything ready. And like I said, my son and I are leaving at 3 a.m. I'm super excited for him. First time traveling uh, ever. First time ever going to America. First time being on an airplane. So <clears throat> it's going to be interesting for him. And then uh, we're going to be going up to Wicked Weekend. And I can't wait. I am itching, itching, itching to get back to the track. It's been too long. I'm ready. Uh, so I'll be, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Everybody seems to be excited. I don't know all the pros that are going there. I'm hoping that they do go a good bit does do go. I know they have ENATs and I believe in two weeks time or a week and a half, they have the 10 scale nationals. So we shall yeah. see, but I'm going to have a good time. It's going to be good to be around my RC family. And I get, once again, I want to thank everybody that participated in the, 
uh, waffle for that. Uh, we, it was greatly appreciated. So thank you, everybody. And thank you to uh, uh, Race Time Entertainment for allowing me to be a part of it. Myself, Danny, uh, Jacob, Dave, Lance, all of us have some really good ideas. And we're going to do some some really cool work up there at the Wicked Weekend. All right, Max. <clears throat> Let's get on. We do have some RC news we have to go over, and we have some questions, and we are going to recap the Euros. We're, we're not going to be on, you know, we're aiming to do a, just a two-hour podcast today, so or less. So let's get on. I would like to say thank you to uh, Invisible Speed for all their support and continued support. If you guys like the books are not in stock, but if you want to get, you know, you want to do the online course, we have an affiliate link. Click that. Uh, I think it's ex- an excellent thing for everybody to do, from beginners to veterans in RC. And of course, this is the old Invisible Speed commercial. The 20% off for Euros does not apply to this. Remember, everybody, we do have links for the Invisible Speed online course in the written description. Also, a big thank you to High Tech RC. So the High Tech was at Axial Fest. Ooh, that's an event I want to go to, Max. We need to put that in the notes, Axial Fest. Uh, but they have released their new RDX 2-1000 charger. I believe you're supposed to be getting this as well, Max. Uh, AC-DC dual, par- dual charger, discharger, and power supply. I actually want this myself, this charger. It has a sleek modern design with easy to port, easy to transport handle. The RDX two RDX one two one thousand. That's hard to say. I must want to say RDX two thousand is the AC DC powerhouse you need to charge your high capacity battery packs at rapid rates. The dual output ports each offer twenty amps of power to simultaneously charge two batteries of any chemistry, or you compare the outputs to charge up to rates at two rates up to thirty five amps. The charger also includes an easy to use LCD interface display and handy push button controls while the front panel XT60 connectors and XH balance ports help keep wiring uncluttered. So check them out, HiTechRC slash where to buy to find the RDX to 1000. Thank you, HiTech, for all your continued support. And uh, let's get on to some RC news. So I think uh, the first thing up for us in HiTech news is Cav out at raw speed. Hey, Cav yeah. out at raw speed. I don't really understand why he went back because he was there once Before, already previously, and then he left almost like I don't know if he even did a full year, and then now he's back again, and then he's out again. Well, I think he left when he joined TLR, and they they kind of pushed had to he had to run pro line. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what his deal is at raw speed. I know when he was running them before, he was able to use other tires when they didn't have any. So yeah. uh, the, the rumor is he's been spotted testing TZO tires. 
So he will be at Wicked Weekend this upcoming weekend. So it'd be interesting. Maybe he's free on tires. Who knows? But I, I understand. Yeah. yeah, but he kind of needs maybe he's like, this is what's going to salvage my his. Because unfortunately, I, I love Cavalari as one of my all time favorite racers, but it's slowly, slowly slipping into an RC oblivion, right? Um, he needs a good result this past, this next weekend. He probably needs a good result at the Nationals. And- I mean, to be honest, his results aren't worse than they were with TLR. Not in buggy. Yeah. Like, okay, not yeah. in 8-scale buggy. He's, he's yeah. not done too well in 8-scale buggy. Yeah, but I think, I think like, 10-scale, yes, he's been much worse than with TLR he was. And, like, Chuggy and E-buggy, I don't know, if, like, where he's been. But, Nitro, but he's not running but, a WRC truggy. He's running yeah, a but right his, his Nitro buggy has been. He's been making pretty much every single main. But the issue is that... He didn't make the Nationals main. He did it? Nope. Really? Nope. I'm pretty sure he did, but okay. But he made DNC main. He made uh, Silver State, I think. Mm. And um, he's been pretty solid. Because I, I looked into this at some a few podcasts before. He was he was doing okay, so it's hard to say. You know, I think realistically, if he has really been running raw speed tires and they weren't good, then like this could be a good thing to do. You know, at least cut out the tire of the possible excuses, <laughs> and then you know, especially like PMB and race like that. Running J concept is a huge benefit. Well, I don't know if he's going, what he's going to be running, if he's free uh, or what. You know, we don't yeah. know that. But he was not in the main at uh, at the Nationals. And let's see, I just bring in this up here Nitro Pro, Nitro A main. He was not in the main. Oh, yes, he was. Sorry. He finished 10th. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Like he's all, he's made the main, but in the main he hasn't been too solid. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he won this race uh, a few years ago when it was outdoors. Um, yeah, he could do well here. I would like to see Cavallari do well. I don't want to see a. So here's my thing with Cavallari, right? He's he's won so many championships and had all this stuff and many worlds. On paper, he's probably more. He's definitely. I would say he's more successful than Tebow and and. Mayfield, his two counterparts on paper, because he's won more championships. I think one more world championships, one more Reedy races. Um, I think he's won twenty-eight or thirty national titles altogether. You know, uh, one more. I think he's won more worlds. He's you know, but he also did it at a, a different time. I would say as well. Um, but his re- his last Reedy race was pretty recent. Reedy race win was pretty recent. So on paper and decorate decorative ways, he's definitely the more decorated driver. It will just, you know, I hope that he does, he's still 35-ish. So, I mean, he could still have another, still have a long career. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, he's, he's driving the WRC buggy for eight scale and he's doing Schumacher for 10 scale. So maybe being free on tire or getting contingency from each tire, similar to what uh, Ronafalk done, will help him out. Because TCO doesn't have any 10 scale tires, right? So yeah, I'll probably be able to that one if he, you know, obviously he's going to need the best tire for ten scale as well. So mm-hmm. it'll be very interesting to see uh, what happens with 
the goat Cavallari and his new um his whatever choice he decides to go on, right? So we'll see. Um, yeah, I just go ahead, buddy. I kind of I kind of think Cavallari needs like the biggest issue he has is he doesn't he needs to like the older he gets the more time he needs to put into it mm-hmm. and that's definitely what what his plans like that's not what his plan in life is you know <laughs> because he has a kid he has a wife and i mean uh, he might have to now you know yeah so it's interesting to see he i guess cavalry he can go out and and you know do well like a good result, a win, or a top three at Wicked Weekend, I think, really boosts him. Mm-hmm. And um, then, of course, we have the Dark Nationals coming up here shortly. Uh, so he could definitely, you know, definitely can uh, be something. You know, he could do something. He could do something. So let's see. Yeah. I hope for the best for him. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I still see him doing good. I don't think, like, your skill goes away when you get older. But it's mm-hmm. just that he, I think he doesn't practice enough. Max, did we talk about the Asian Buggy Championships the last time he was on her? No, I don't think we have. I don't think we did, yeah. So that also went on in um, Australia a couple of weeks ago. And oh. I have to say that the coverage of it was absolutely amazing. I thought they had, I, I know Zach was, I, I teased Zach Ryan. I was like, how many spreadsheets did you did you put? to do this but uh they had written reports every day they had recaps with scotty every day the coverage like the actual filming of the coverage was great uh they had interviews throughout the day as well i think my buddy tony firth was doing that and i think these are all australia like scotty was not there but i think everybody that was doing it was australian i'm not i could be wrong and i looked at this race and i was like hey um i think we might have talked about it but i just want to reiterate it no, I, we haven't because actually a couple of my Australian friends called me, uh, messaged me to correct me on Kyle McBride because we ripped into Kyle McBride the last time a little bit, right? About him not yeah. being at this race. And I think the Australians are a little bit upset that he isn't there, but Alex Bernardzak won it. Caleb Noble was fast too. He, uh, he TQ'd a run, I think, or no, came second. Zach Ryan came third. <clears throat> this is probably the biggest race that Australia has had since the Worlds. And it was yeah. great. It looked like an absolutely great atmosphere. I saw what you meant by that Australian style track, like the jumps, no big crazy jumps, but like fast jumps. The track was oil. It, I thought it was pretty amazing. There was one part of that track where I kept thinking they wanted to come down the straight and come down the backside and go on the straight away, but they made a sharp turn. Every time they did that, it kind of got me. But I, in the back of my mind, I just kept saying, man, it would be really cool if Kyle McBride would have shown up to this. But he wasn't there. Uh, also, they announced the dates for the Philippine Masters next year, and that is a race I want to go to. I want to go to the Philippine Masters next year, which is round one of this. So, you know, CEO, all you guys out there and all my friends in the Philippines, let's figure out a way to get me to there because I want to go. And uh, I would love to go to the Australian round too as well. So we'll see. But I thought I just wanted to give uh, some props and shout outs to the everybody involved in that because I thought it was great. Like the coverage written, you know, they had a good team. They had written coverage every day. Pictures were great. You know, pictures every day, interviews with people, stuff like that. I thought the, the actual video of it was great. So and kudos to Scotty and all them guys for putting it all together. It was, it was great. Uh, I, I thought it was exceptional. 
even I, I I sent it to Danny. It's like, oh, we got to try some of this stuff when we go to Wicked Weekend or whatever. So thank, good job to those guys. Also, I wanted to come. Uh, so I was told that Kyle McBride works at this place, Oz RC. We was talking about Kyle McBride and his, you know, latest photo shoot, right? Yeah. So he works at Oz RC. They are not the TLR distributor. So it's not confirmed if he's going to run a TLR. They sell TLR, but they're not the distributor. I mean, it looks like a big hobby shop, right? Big shop. So he's going to be working yeah. there. And apparently he's going to race for them, Oz RC. So I, it, it doesn't sound like he's retired. It's not like he's going to race. Nobody knows what he's going to race or whatever. It might be a TLR because they carry TLR. But yeah, uh, I hope he does. But I think it's too late for Kyle McBride, just period. Like he's burnt so many bridges with so many different companies. And now he's just not going to get I, those opportunities anymore. I don't think he's burnt any bridges. From what I'm told, he has. Well, like, no, no, no. I don't mean like, well, in terms of like uh, getting a sponsorship that's going to pay him to go travel the world. Yeah, from he's done. a company like he's like that that that's not gonna happen probably but i think like he still has all the tools to make him successful you know winning yes. a world championship yes. Yes. like you i think he could win a world championships just racing in asia or australia before the world okay i would i, I would I not argue that. with that point i would not argue with yeah. that point at all i would 100 agree with you he's i believe he still has the skills yeah he just needs to put in the work Right. And like, it doesn't really matter how much bridges you burned if you're a world champion, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem you know? like it. Yeah. So, At all. so like, uh, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's just like, he's not going to, he's at the point where he has all the tools to make it happen, but things aren't made e- easy for him. You know, when he was running Infinity, he could have done almost anything he wanted to do. But he didn't do it, you know? So mm-hmm. it was made too easy for him. Now, like, he has to make things happen for himself if he wants to get that back. You know, I would agree there. Would he's agree had there. too many issues before. He switched brands so much, you know? So now it's like nobody's going to make it easy for him anymore. I would I would definitely agree with you there, Gawadi. Um Yeah. I guess, when, I guess the, the old saying is you don't miss it till it's gone. And yeah, that might be in this case what's going on with him. I wish him all the best because, like I said, I do like him, and uh, I hope he does. You know, I hope he does well, and I hope he can get back up to at least where he was at one point. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. well, we shall see. We shall see. All right, and some other news. Um, we had the Barnstormers, uh, big uh, Apple Nitro Challenge. Adam Drake won that. Brian Carter second, Greg Hammer third. Brian Carter also wins Nitro Truggy. He beats Adam Drake and uh and that. Greg Hammer wins E Buggy. <clears throat> also, the uh I saw that uh the my friends down down at Clay's hobbies in Costa Rica are bidding for the 200 millimeter nitro uh sedan worlds next year, which is really good to have. They built a purpose-built on-road track there, and that's good because Costa Rica has a decent size. Uh, RC scene, right? Offered. They had a yeah. big offered scene, then offered kind of went away, then they got into on road, but now it's back. And just Latin America has a really good on road scene as well. 
my boy Danny Paz was just actually in Puerto Rico for a race they had over there. So I hope they get it. Uh, Costa Rica's, I would, I mean, I I really want to go to like an on-road world as well. So I wouldn't mind going to Costa Rica. It's beautiful. I like to go visit there as well. So I hope they get it because I think this will be the first time that a place in Central America has held a world. So, yeah, and I think it's the I, only I, Central I, America track or place that can do it. I, I might, they might have some in Mexico, but is Mexico Central America or is it just Mexico? It's so big. It's probably bigger than Central America. But I hope well, I they mean, get it. Ge- geographically, it's considered Central America. But yeah. And uh, we still don't know about the worlds in Brazil next year. But we saw our yeah. good friend Robert Badier was in Brazil at a beautiful brick track. Uh, but that was in Parana, and that's about eight hours drive from <clears throat> where they proposed to have the worlds. Um, also, we have the okay. We're gonna touch on the eight scale offered nationals that happened this weekend, and then we're gonna recap the Euros. But like I said, we have the Efra. Also, they had this weekend. They had the um. Oh my gosh. They have the Afro eight scale onward champions coming up next weekend. They had the fifth scale championships this past weekend. I believe Arnaldi got uh disqualified or something BJ was telling yeah, me for I, his I, flywheel being too big or something. Yeah, because I think there are some kind of like There's a lot of rules for that fifth scale. There's a lot of rules for the fifth scales. I I don't I don't really understand like what kind of like what all kinds of rules they have but they are very strict especially for the engine they're very strict regulations and yeah i guess something with the flywheel right because they don't allow refueling right and they're 30 minute races so yeah it's a stretch to go 30 minutes so they have to lean these engines out so they had that going on this weekend they had postart tv doing the coverage but postart tv needs a moving camera like an actual physical person and they also yeah. had ETS going on this weekend. So Scotty went from Australia to ETS. He went home, then to that guy travels a lot. Uh, he went, they went over to wherever ETS was this weekend. And the coverage at ETS was pretty good. Now, I didn't watch much of it, but it was pretty good. It was outdoor, uh, outdoor asphalt track. So that looked pretty cool. And yeah, so busy, busy weekend of racing in Europe, along with the 110 scale European. Um, European championships that we're going to touch on shortly, but also don't forget later on this year, like I said, we have Wicked Weekend coming up this next weekend. We have the large-scale offer championships, which I'm sure Pekka will be in, which is the following weekend. We have the Afra 10-scale touring car championships. We have then the Dart Nationals that are going to be at Hobbiton, and the entries look very low for that. I, this is something that I think they, they, I think they're going to suffer from this because they split the 10 scale nationals between dart and carpet. I think they should just make it one nationals, make it one year dart, one year carpet. Eventually, dart's going to be, in my opinion, dart's going to be a thing of the past in America mm-hmm. with carpet yeah. uh, becoming more popular. We have the Scotty Ernst UK showdown at Robin Hood Raceway, 26th, 28th. We have the EFRA Nitro Offer Championships, the 29th of September, 2nd, which I really want to go to, but I don't think it's going to happen. And with the 10-scale offer championships, we have also in that same weekend uh, the Peach State Classic, which I'll be at. Um, and then we have the 8-scale E-Buggy World Cup coming up, which doesn't look like it's going to get a lot of, unfortunately, not going to get a lot of uh, participants. Now, this, the, e, the E-Buggy World Cup is the race. It's a world to an extent, 
it's but it's a world cup, but it's not an official IFMA yeah. Worlds. And then this, they, they for some reason they have to have this before they have a world championship. And the problem with that is that it's right after the world championship, like the worlds in America. Yeah. And then also Angaro's got his race one because I was talking to JQ and it's like, I'm going to Angaro's race, him, Rana Falk, everybody's going to that race. And then Buggy Land's the recap. Now that's the race I want to go to. I am trying to get to Buggy Land. Right? So, and Buggy Land's the week after that. So it's like, uh, I have a feeling that that, but then they said, if you don't attend this race, you can't, you can't race the worlds in 2025. So who knows? Who knows? Really? That's what no, I heard. I don't think I don't think they can do that. That's what I heard. That's what I heard, buddy. Yeah, well, that's just silly because I don't think they even are able to do that, really. But the, it's, it's gonna the, every country is gonna have a certain number of allocations. And it's yeah, so. I just I just think it's gonna be a yeah, I don't know. And then obviously the it's scheduled to be have the 2025 first e buggy world championships at our IBC in 2025 so it's going to be interesting to see what happens but hey you know what we're going to take a commercial break and then we're going to come back we're going to talk about the e-nuts real quick and we want to thank uh clinic rc and racetech engines for all their support i just saw turning in and got some new piston sleeves and all that good looking stuff in uh thank you to clinic rc for all their support Yes, thank you to Racetech Engines. I just noticed that the eight-scale Onward Championships are actually going to be in Villa Real, Portugal. It would be so great if Coelho ran this. I know he doesn't run Nitro that much or at all, but it'd be great if he did. It really would be if he did. Right at home, why not run it? That's what I say. Yeah. All right, Max. So one of the big races, well, somewhat big. Entry-wise was not a big race. Um, what we had the Roar... E nuts at CRC. how many how many entries did they have? Oh, it was not many at all. It was 72 drivers, 444 entries. So you know what? Oh wow. The, the e-buggy Euros actually had more entries than this with just one class. Like physical. Yeah, they had they had they had double the drivers. So and the thing is, and the thing is that the driver amount is limited, you know. Right, right. So they, <laughs> I think it's limited at 150. But they had 150 no, 100. entries. We had we had 144, and it's limited at 144. Okay, so, so there we, we go. Max max entries. So they had one class at the e buggy Euros where they do not raise your do not take e buggy so seriously as yeah. America, and uh, they had it full with 144 people. And actually, this ended up having a little bit more than I thought. So it had 72 racers. Obviously, there was a big kerfuffle about this because they dropped Mini Truggy and Full Boy for a short course truck because people didn't sign up. I'm hearing that they might be dropping two-wheel drive short course at the next Nationals as well, the Dark Nationals, because they don't have anybody signed up. I think, here's my opinion, Roar should just drop all those classes because there's every year there's so few entries. I agree with all, you. All short course and Mini Truggy. Or put them with 10 scale. If they have to go anywhere, they're 10 scale no, classes. No, I, I think I think short course classes they go away from raw races, uh, and then stadium truck. I don't know how many entries they get, 
but if they get under 15 entries per year then cut that as well like you, you look at the past five years if, right, the, av- if the average of those classes is under 15 roar should just cut them off because i don't think like i think there has to be a certain amount of people attending the event to grant that event the title of being a national champion you know? well it's 15 they have a limit of 15 if they don't have yeah, 15 but they, people they, they haven't up. They haven't enforced it, you know. But they I enforced think they it this should. year. Yeah, yeah. This year they did, but like before, like it has never been enforced. And you, like the roar should now do like a look back, like no, just not have them, not have them. Forget yeah, it. Yeah, like like you know what? Year, you know what? If, the, it's, if it's not enough, then just cut them off. You know what? Like, how would you go? How can you go to a? How can you plan to go to a national event and not sign up? That is like. Yeah, I, I get yeah, it. You say most people are like, well, we can sign up when we get there. Well, you know what? Hopefully, people see that this happens and that they sign up. Because yeah, but I don't most... think even like how many fucking short coach trucks did they have last year at the nuts? Like five? I don't you know. know. I don't yeah, know. that's the thing. Like, it's it's not really. Uh, it's a like... great club class. I'm not saying yeah. it shouldn't be around. Yeah, I just don't think there's enough to warrant a nationals. Yeah, hundred percent. And I agree. I, I I say like even stadium truck, like I think even that class because. But that's ten scale. Yeah, I know. I know it's ten scale. But all those classes kind of take away from you know, like obviously the top truck has been around for a while, Max. Truck has been around for a while in America. So I I would not want to. I do like stadium truck. I'm not going to say. Yeah, but they, they don't have entries either. Yeah, they have more than short course in this lot. They do have much more than short course, that's for sure. So here's my thing. We have the ENATs. It was just E-Buggy and E-Truggy. <clears throat> it was at CRC. I thought the track was a little small. It looked... I actually thought it would make a great 10... The na- lanes look narrow. But I think it also made for some good racing. Uh, lots of top guys did not show up. You know, we didn't see... The only person from HB there was Pavitas. Uh, the only person from Associated really was there was Lee Setzer and Julian Oliveras. I think both made their mains. Um, I honestly feel like that Raw should just not even have an E-Nats next year. Just combine the E-Buggy and E-Truggy with Nitro Buggy and Nitro Buggy at the, at the Nationals. Cap the entries at 100, per, per, 100 people per entry and just have... A, have e-buggy or even if you can leave e-truggy out but i doubt it because e-truggy is very popular have e-buggy e-truggy <clears throat> just start the race most people that are on tuesday anyway do it dnc style monday wednesday can be practice for everybody thursday will be uh e-buggy e-truggy friday can be nitro day and then go on like that i think that's just the easiest thing to do because the enats are just not popular they're not getting. I if I'm a track, I'm not bidding on the Enats next year. Like the track doesn't make no. So the track doesn't make no money off the entries because they don't reach a certain number. He had to make his money off selling pit space and all that type of stuff. I mean, I'm glad they did get 144 entries, which was a lot less than what we saw uh, signing up. But yeah, I just think that this they should just combine it. Not even don't even play around. Don't even say oh we're gonna do it in another year. Do it next year. That's my thoughts on that. Like, just combine this, and it's 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 a fact. E buggy is big because it's nitro racers racing e buggy for a second class. It's it's that's it. 
the e-buggy yeah. early classes are not going to make. And it was only seven minutes. It was only seven, how much? Were, how many? How long were the races? Eight minutes in in uh, the Euros, right? No, ten minutes. Right, like can we have like ten minutes? Make it ten minutes, right? Uh, anyway, um, going into this race, Ty Tasman actually TQ'd uh, Truggy and e-buggy. He won Truggy in two two in the first two, I believe. And in e-buggy though, he won the first one, but he dude he made so many mistakes, and Mayfield made a lot of mistakes as well, right? Uh, but Mayfield was Mayfield was very fast in e buggy, and he caught him up, and uh, he got a one, and then I think they had to go down to a three, and, and actually in a three I saw Ty cut the track twice. Joseph would have had a conniption if that would have been him. He actually cut like when I say cut the track, like he got knocked off the track, then came on the other side. He did wait, he did wait, but yeah, uh, you know Joseph would probably go on a twenty minute rant about that, but uh. Uh, Techno gets their their e buggy world champion. Sorry, national title with buggy title with with um Mayfield, and we see Esman doing it for Canada and e truggy. But you know what? For Fen was there, but you never would have known he was there. Yeah, he finished what the fifth uh, in e buggy, and uh, what was it? He was yeah fifth in both classes in the end. So. Like, dang. And he was beat by Sontag in the... Buggy. He was beat. So, yeah. So, anyway. So, for e-buggy, we had Ryan Mayfield, Ty Tasman. Great run for Ryan Lutz, a third. Douglas Sheffield. Chef- so, he is a young Canadian racer that my Canadian mates were telling me about. Uh, I think he frequences CRC often, but great result for him, I would say. I mean, yes, obviously not all the top drivers there, but he beat some top drivers. He came fourth, fourth, and seventh, right? Uh, he beat Dakota Fenn, who had a 5-5 five, five and a 4th. Taylor Sontag. Taylor Sontag should... He was fast, but just made mistakes. Mm-hmm. And... But good job to... Oh, Douglas Sh- actually, actually, Fenn was ninth in Truggy. No, I'm looking at E-Buggy, sorry. Yeah, yeah, but I, I said he was 5th before, but he was ninth in uh, in Truggy. Joe Bornhorst was the un- looked like to be the only SRX guy there. I don't know what's going on with Big Joe. He was he came out of the out of the cannon firing last year, and you know he had he just hasn't seemed to replicate his twenty twenty year twenty twenty two year so far. Yeah, I think I don't know. Maybe like he had his burst last year, like new car, new everything. But I, mean, I don't know if means, it's lack of I don't know if but, it's lack of like practice slash testing. Or if it's just he's getting in, getting comfortable, and like this is where he is, you know. Maybe seventh, seventh to fifteenth, almost every race. Maybe. So I mean, I don't want to say it. No, don't say it. We're on good terms. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it. Okay. Don't say it. But maybe, just maybe, this is it. You know, like I don't know, like. Maybe last year was the flu. flu. Like I don't know what's, right. because he he's on good tires, he's on good engine. There shouldn't be anything wrong with the car since like everyone with Esbox is doing quite well. So I mean, okay, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be interesting is, to see. He's he's gotten sick this year at an yes. event at least 
once. I he's not had, even yes, more than twice. Once. I think twice. Yeah, he was sick so, at DNC, sick at uh, yeah, Silver State, I believe. So I think maybe there's something more to that. You know, obviously that's all like his stuff, but I don't know. Maybe you, I mean it does definitely hurt you when you miss like two of the biggest races of the year because like. He could have been really fast at DNC. He could have been really fast at Silver Step. We don't know, you know. Also, um, I don't know. Even HB just had Ryan Pavitas there. He didn't make the main for E-Buggy. He made it for yeah. E-Truggy. Um, I, I get it that probably people are going to Wicked Weekend, probably a bigger race, you know, more, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, just kind of a low turnout on the pro side. I, I can't say that I'm not, I didn't expect it. Uh, unfortunate, but it still had some of the top pros there. And as we can see, uh, we had the truck mains, Ty Tessman, Taylor Sontag came second. Shit, I didn't, I just realized that he got a second, second, and a fifth. Yeah. Ryan Mayfield, third, the wizard, Jared Wiggins, fourth, Brian Lutz, a good top five, Born Horse, and six. Uh, the guy, Douglas Chef, Sheffield, I think, Shufield, Shufield, sorry, Shufield, sorry, I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Lee Setzer, I mean, this, this kid beat some fast guys. I'm not gonna lie. Lee Setzer, Dakota Fenn, Joey Bardon is a, another like e truggy specialist. Ryan Pavitas. Man, Pavitas did not have a good weekend. He just had a 12, a 12, and yeah. an 11. I don't know what's going on with Ryan. He, Wasn't uh, Douglas fourth in, in buggy? Yes. Yeah, so that's a. I don't. I have never heard of this guy. So. Yeah, he's from Canada. Young guy, yeah. 16 until. Uh, well, that, he, that he, explains it, yeah. He does go to this track quite often. Uh, also, no, but still, up. it's it's yeah. Uh, he, he, it's, he beat some fast guys. Yeah, he beat some fast guys. He he beat Fend in both classes. You know, he now we're gonna talk about that. So, with the announcement that Barry Baker's no longer uh with Fend in <clears throat> in the uh you know as his mechanic consultant and all that stuff. Now Barry wasn't with him at Visions. You know what Barry said on the live? He said if he would have been at at the Worlds, Fenn would have won. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. You'll never know. You'll I never mean, know. to be honest, like, Fenn wasn't far off at the Worlds. Was not. You know? Was not. So, I mean, he could be right. But just because, like, I don't, I don't know. It wasn't like it would have made a night and a day difference. Maybe it would have made, like, a 10-second difference at the middle part of the main where he ended, ended up falling away from the top pack. But... <laughs> You know, but I don't know. I see. I I do have to say that there is going to be speculation that how much Barry was part of it because he wasn't at Visions, he wasn't at this race. Mm-hmm. Two of the worst races fans had in the past what two or three years. Definitely not good. I mean, he did podium in buggy at Visions, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I get yeah, but I mean, podium hey, and after winning almost every race. Horizon doesn't recognize his, the value that Barry Breaker brings. And I understand his 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 issue with that. I 100% yeah. understand his issue with that. Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I hope Fenn goes to Wicked Weekend. And if he does, I'm picking him. There we go. I hope Ty Tasman goes to Tyrone goes, but he doesn't. But speaking. Oh, hold on real quick. Before I get into Ty. We're gonna give congratulations to so the junior. Uh, they had an under fifteen electric A buggy B E buggy main. Colton for for Renari for Renari won that. Dylan Rapasso, he's from Canada. Dylan Menchada, 
Uh, they came third. Congratulations to them. Also, shout out to John Nerland Jr., Martin Paris, Parsique, Parsik, Gabe Hubble. We only had seven, and Liam Smith. Unfortunate that we only have seven, uh, seven drivers there. And then uh, my friend Eric Deschenes from Quebec, he won the 45-plus Masters, A-Main, uh, followed by John Bauer and Mark Calandra, and then E-Truggy, oops, went too far ahead. E-Truggy was uh, Brian Barr, who won E-Truggy, I believe. Let me find that real quick. E-Truggy. So they had three mains for E-Truggy? Oh, no. Okay. Sorry. Wrong one. Oh man, where's E Truggy final? The Masters. Oh, there we go. Brian Bush, Mark Calandro, John Bauer, Eric DeShannons, and Jensen Collins. So, yeah, good stuff. I'm glad they got some entries at 144, and it wasn't less than 100 like it was supposed to be. So, I'm happy about that for the track. But I still believe that the E Nats should just be done away with, and they should put E Truggy and E Buggy. On their max, do you have the picture of so-called picture of one Tyrone Testman running another brand's tires at this event? Did you ever get that? Um, let me let me look. I think it's I on our have. Discord. Actually, someone posted it. But yes, so the rumor was well, not a rumor. At some point, Ty Testman was running. Um, was running J Concepts tires. I mean, there's an actual picture of it. Where you can see the tire. Jake, actually, Jay Concepts is so savage. They take the picture of it and then somebody finds it. Yeah. <laughs> like, why else would you be taking a picture of Ty Tasman's tire if you didn't know that he had a tire, the tire on there? That's so there we quite, are. Quite easy to read that it says Jay Concepts over here. And it's a blue compound. I believe, believe it's a reflex. So. So. Is, is this a case of Hot Race just not having a, a tire for this and he just went on this? Or is it is it is it what we've seen before with X-ray drivers with Ty? You know, we 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 go back to 2000. Was it two, was it the 2016 or 2017 uh, Neo? Buggy? 17 Neo. His first Neo with X-ray. He was running J Concepts when actually he was running Proman at the time, but he raced J Concepts for the main. Mm-hmm. And the funniest thing is Boots finished on the podium with Proline. So the funniest thing is also two weeks prior to that, Proline actually put out a statement about any drivers getting caught running non-Proline oh, yeah, tires true. will be terminated <laughs> immediately. And then move yeah. forward, they actually ran J Concepts tires, then put brand new Proline tires on for the picture. And then yeah. if it wasn't for JQ, man, oh man, JQ got so much heat for that. Like because yeah. he reported it, right? But he found basically someone took a picture of their car after the race and it had J Concepts tires on, and they, JQ did a whole blog about it. And that just, I remember people were so angry at him. You're messing yeah, with that's... his, you're messing with his money. I'm like, no, he's messing with his money. What are you talking about? Um, yeah. Is this so? I look for for everybody. I don't know if they use this tire in the main or whatever. Right? I I don't know. But at some point, as you can see, obviously they use J Concepts tires. I don't know if they have permission from Nikola. We don't know any of these details. Um, but I think this comes down to what we say about the testaments and X-ray at the same time is that the testaments are in that gray area, right? They will do mm-hmm. what it takes to win. 
And I, I get that. It takes, you have to be like that. You know, I'm not disputing that you don't have to be like that. Um, But if they have permission, fine. No problem. But we've also seen x-ray force other people to use other tires, right? We go back to yeah, Martin well, Meyer when he, at the 2014 yeah. Worlds. I just found a photo of him sitting on the starting line and he's on hot race tires. Okay. So at least for the mains, looks like he was running hot race, but yeah, I don't so, know what, what this was for. Do you think this is pressure to just do whatever it takes to win, which we know that the testaments are always do, and that's that gray area? Do you think it's pressure from X-ray to do well in America or or what? Um, because I go back to Ronafalk, who's sitting in a D-main on Matrix tires, none of them working at DNC, and he still wouldn't change. Yeah, I mean, th- this is like a continuous thing about the this, you know, like, I don't really know. <laughs> it, it's it's a difficult one. Like, I, I think there's some form of like, like a limit like if it's actually that you have a car and everything else a package that would grant you the win but you finish fifth so like at that point you have to be like i do i do have to switch tires because like winning like okay let's imagine the situation at that it's a world championship you know that this tire is, let's say, two tenths a lap quicker, and you are like right there. You're like right there with him, but not quite. Do you go into the main with another brand's tires, or do you just concede the world championships? Imagine for a chassis brand. Imagine you're running for like a, a brand that doesn't have a world championship. You know, like an S Works or a Mayako. Um, Brands like that that really keen to get that, you know, stable on there, you know, that we are world champions, you know? And then your driver says, no, I'm not going to change to the two-tenths quicker tire, and he loses the world championship by five seconds in the end, you know? I know. It's such a great area, isn't it? It's such a... Like, yeah. It's, it, to me, to me, like, it, it like... If I was the car manufacturer and I was paying 50% of his salary, I would just drop his salary, you know, like cut from his budget that much because like, or then make the tire company pay more because that's absolutely like ridiculous at that point. You know, you, you fund this driver, you know, all the way through it. And okay. If he runs a tire like hot race, which is, established as kind of the number one brand in Europe or J Contest, which is established number one brand in America, like then it's a different situation. But for example, David, he runs a brand new tire brand. Right. He has never run it in America. That was the first time that tire brand was run on American soil. Like in my opinion. He, he had like every excuse to switch. Yeah. He had every and, excuse and he did it. And, and yeah. I give him credit for that. I, did, I didn't agree sense, with it. Yeah. But I give him credit. Yeah, I do. Okay, the thing though with David's situation was that he was he was struggling nonetheless. You know, it wasn't only the tires. He was having a bad weekend overall. You know. Yeah, but not D man. Like, 
No D main, bad. Could but you then, imagine if the test ones were in D main? They would probably pick another car. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one because like then again, if you're running, you know, hot race tires and you could win, but you're running an engine that flames out easily, like can you then change an engine? You know, well, like, people do. People do. People do. Well, I we, love, we have, I love Mayfield. Two thousand and fourteen yeah, worlds. Two thousand. Well, two thousand eighteen as well. Sorry, 2018. Sorry, yeah, I got but he, it was like when he used to run Nova Rossi or Orion. He used to run OS engines, and then when he mm-hmm. used to run Reds, he ran OS engines. So like, and then David is the same thing. Uh, not David. Uh, Tessman is the same thing with tires. Like no matter what brand, like uh, he's run different, different. So I wonder. There's like, there's I'm gonna like, talk to Nico. I'm gonna talk to Nico. I'm gonna find out if if he had permission from Nico to do it. Because I find it very hard that Nico will give permission for it. The thing, okay, I was thinking because if he ran hot race in the main, I was thinking that this was from like, let's say a round of qualifying right. or a round practice. of seeding practice where they were thinking like, okay, is the tire good enough? And they were trying a tire. I can see that. Basically. I can see that. But you know like, how the I, internet is. Yeah. But then again, we don't know. It could be that they were trying to, like, they were, like, I don't know. Like, was it just a benchmark test or was it just, uh, you know, trying to get the last ounce of performance? But it's like Jay Concepts Concepts don't give a fuck. They took a picture and they're like, yeah, we're going to post this up. And you can see right there. I'm just like... That's a fucking great picture, too, because you can see the text perfectly. a promotion at all costs i don't care um yeah. but we have seen x-ray also forces drivers to use other tires martin buyer 2020 yeah. 2014 at the worlds yeah that, like, yeah you know x-ray and savoya too savoya used to do it he used to run sweep at one point and he uh-huh. used to switch around tires all the time when he used to run x-ray so i think like it's 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 weird that how how the car brand has that much, you know, effect on it if it is the car brand. But that is true. It's X-ray is like one of the most like I, I don't know much of other drivers who's done it. I hope they were just I well I'm glad they were seen to be on hot race for the mains. Maybe they were just testing. But uh Yeah. Yeah, I can I can like I can actually believe that if Tesman's like sent Nicola a message like can we test these tires so we can see, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like what, if it's the tires? Like that, to me, I can understand, that. especially on practice. You know, I can understand that. Yeah, because, I can understand that too. Because as a driver, like then it, like especially if the tires were worse, it assures you that okay, we need to work at something on the car to get that last ounce of speed. You know, the tires are not the issue. I would so, agree. I would agree there. I would agree. Well, congratulations to Tyrone. He won the Truggy, E Truggy. He's an E Truggy national champion. And congratulations to Techno and Mayfield. Uh, they are now the 2023 E Buggy Championship champion. And um, yeah, the question the question is going into this is, does Dakota fan need Barry Baker? We'll see. I hope he comes to Wicked Weekend, and we'll see what yeah. happens there. Um, I'm sure he. I'm sure he will do well, even with or without Barry. I think he would like to have Barry in his corner. But uh, we shall see. And uh, congratulations to everybody that went to the E-Nets. It was good to see that the entries did pick up somewhat. 
But I still firmly believe that the ENATs, there should just be one, one eight scale offer at nationals, electric and, and nitro at the same event. That's my opinion. And I think it's not next month, next year. Yeah, I think, I think right now that is the most, because the issue right now is that for clubs, it's not worthwhile to organize these national size events. It's too, too much money and not enough income. I would agree. So I would agree. I think I think that in that sense it would be the best. But overall, I like I think it's more prestigious if they are separate. And especially like one issue I have with these ENATs is that they are always at tracks that are not like established A scale tracks. Like, well, I mean, this isn't this is somewhat of an established eight scale track. But you also have to understand, Max, is that these these tracks just are not bidding on these th- on these races right it's it's similar what yeah, we see in europe it's no different i know we're gonna but get into that we're gonna get into that we're gonna get into that because you, something needs to change because so, that's not acceptable right well i think the only way that's gonna ha- be happening is because they're not gonna get the interest right not a few nets probably gets a few bids right because it's a popular race but i would say that um but that's the thing, like, you can't expect the race to become popular if it's at a venue that nobody knows about, nobody has any, like, oh, that when I want to visit. Like, imagine when the, the tracks of Las Vegas were still online. If you had Roar Nats there, everybody would want to go. Every single one. Well, it's also you know? a lot because, easier to get to and it's in a better location. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I mean. Like, that that is the issue with ENATS is it's always at a place where it's not yeah. well known. It's not as great. Uh, People don't want to bid on it. I know, but that's the thing. Like, Roar needs to do something that makes them more valuable for the organizers, and then they will get people going there. And then the organizers are like, okay, like we can actually get some money out of this, and then more people will be bidding on it. You know, combine it. Combine it, and when it gets more popular, then you can split it. But right now, combine it. Just like you shouldn't have two separate 10-scale nationals. Shouldn't be. No, but then the issue is that, like, when you... I Well, okay, right now, like, I think that's the easiest solution by far. Yes. But, like, it's... To me, like, for a regular hobbyist or whatever that attends the Roar Nets, like... Carrying four cars with you is that's crazy. the only other thing I was thinking of. Yeah. That's the only thing I'm thinking of. Uh and I don't know, man. That's why I don't know if it should just be nitro buggy and e buggy, but then it's e truggy guys are compl- I don't know. I don't know. I think but as I, of now I think if it's if it was buggy nuts and truggy nuts, I think it would do better. I think you'll suffer from the same problem. No, but I think I think you would still get the top guys there. I'm yeah, but they need sure. more than the top guys. They need the entries. They need the entries. Yeah, Maybe know, it might sure. work. Maybe it might work. But I think they used to have a Truggy Nationals. They used to have a Truck Nationals. It was gas truck, and it was still popular, and Truggy, right? And then a Buggy Nationals. But it eventually died because it comes down to cost, right? These races are not yeah. cheap for the average person to go to. They're not, not just cheap. I will agree. Time. Like, these races start. Like, people have to be there on a Tuesday, you know? So... But that's, two events I, like that, yeah, and two events mm-hmm. that you gotta like the EDATS is at a bad time too. By the way, I would add that there was a race at LC. There was a race in that area the weekend before Barcelona, so people went to that. There was a race at LCRC that same, which is in the same like in that same northeast area that people love that track and they went to that. 
So it was, it, it, it comes on to, I combine it, combine it for now. If you're feeling it. Yeah. If you have to travel with four cars, you travel four cars. Hey, these guys travel with four cars to, to, yeah, you're probably going with two people anyway. So that's two cars per person. Right. And yeah, this would be a great time to have spec tires. But anyway, that's a whole nother rant. I think the best way is to combine it. Less, less, less drivers. Maybe just make it e-buggy, nitro buggy and, and truggy this year, next year. And then if 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 there's a if there's no, a then, big then upcry, like, if there's I a big e- upcry for truggy, yeah, but e truggy, I, I don't know, I don't know. But, but I think e truggy is like almost more popular than e buggy at some parts of the country. <laughs> well, the people the people that do race electric only, they, they they tend to like the big events like the race time events and the jury events and yeah, those type of races that have the classes. Yeah, but that's that's like. That's like the issue with like raw events is that they will never, it's like a, the chicken or the egg situation. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a nice venue that's very convenient to get to and it attracts people on its own, you're not going to get the entries. But you're not going to get the venue like that if you don't have the entries. So there mm-hmm. has to be some kind of like way for raw to solve a situation. Once one, like I agree that. Probably the easiest solution is just to combine all four, and I think that would be the fairest for because mm-hmm. then you would easily you would easily get like uh, four hundred entries, hundred of each, you know. Because here you had one hundred and forty four entries, and at uh, buggy and trucking nuts you had what almost three hundred entries or something. So like, um, yeah, I think it would be just cap it, cap it at one hundred entries per per class. Yeah. Anyway, we're spending too much that. time. We, we did a whole podcast about that. Uh, I don't know. I think the answer is that for the immediate future, maybe maybe in the future, a separate truggy and buggy nuts is needed. But right now, I think the best way to do this is combine it. And um, and congratulations yeah, to all the podium yeah. finishers. I want to say, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I think I think the issue is that we. I would like to value, you know, the buggy national champion as much as the Nitro Buggy national champion, you know? So, like, so, but question. right now, that's not happening. Question. So, Do you think being a European e-buggy champion is equal to being a European Nitro Buggy champion? No, it's I, not. But it's but much I would say, closer than in America. It's I would say that, yes, that's what I was about to say. I would say that the e-buggy European championship, while... It may not be a class that's super popular like in America on a on a club, probably on a club level it is, but you know, on a you know, most yeah, of these races. International level, yeah. Yeah, I would say that being it it brings the what break make what makes the European e buggy championships prestigious is that everybody goes. Yeah, and it it didn't used to be that way. When they first started, it a lot of people missed it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh like for example, that time in France, there wasn't many, many. There was, there was a few of the top drivers for sure, but not all of them. There was mm-hmm. some who always missed. It. No, it's not. It's but, it's not to be missed. Yeah, it's everybody's. Every single one who goes to Nitro years goes there as well. So that's why, like, I see it as having almost as much value as the Nitro buggy years. And the thing is, it's a three day race. You start on Friday, you end on Sunday, and um, it's not even long days. It's like 7 p.m. each day. And then on Sunday, you, you like, I, I went there Thursday 
Thursday and left on Sunday night. So it's a okay. uh, it's an easy race to go to, and uh, I think like I'll definitely go next year. Apart from the fact that I just looked into it, and it's gonna be at the same venue that hosted the ten scale years this year. So oh, okay, well, so- not sure if I'll if I'll go if it's on Astro. All right. Well, you know, that's a great segue into our next topic. But before we do that, we want to say thank you to Sidewander Fuel for their, continue, their support of the podcast. Sidewander and Morgan Fuel have been collaborating with some of the world's top drivers for over 40 years. This has enabled them to test their fuels and in many of the most, challenge, in many of the most challenging situations and take development of competition fuels to the next level. The result has been the Sidewinder blend. The market's most powerful racing fuel. This fuel is track tested and proven by national and world champions, such as Ryan Cavallari, Ryan Mayfield, Greg Degani, Mark Pavitas, and many more. These drivers are appreciate these, these drivers appreciated that Sidewinder is blended perf- perfectly for high performance needs of competitive racing. You can find Sidewinder fuel at Amin and uh, Revelations and other. Uh, contact them. You can also contact them if you want to be a dealer for the fuel. And also, I want to say thank you to. Uh, Techno RC and congratulations to them. They won a national title with Ryan Mayfield. Uh, and uh, good job to him. How and, many did they have? Excuse me? How many national titles does Techno have? I'm not, sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Not sure. I'm pretty sure that they have won something before. They have, they do not have a national title in Nitro Buggy yet. Well, that's for sure. But for on tr- how about Nitro Truggy? I believe I don't so. I think so. I believe so. Well, Who I mean, be? Mayfield won it this year. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but before this year. Not sure. I'll ask when I when I see um when I see Matt, I'll ask him. I'm sure they have yeah. some E some electric titles as well. I believe Lutz and Warnhorse might have won something. But with that oh, said, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you to Techno RC for their continued support. I look forward to seeing the Techno team at Wicked Weekend this upcoming weekend. Techno RC. Techno RC is a championship-winning manufacturer of high-performance A-scale, TED-scale, nitro, and electric RC buggies and trucks. With a worldwide dealer network, USA and Europe-based headquarters, comprehensive warranty program, and global race support, Techno RC is excellence in RC. View the full lineup of Techno RC race-proven vehicles by visiting www.technorc.com. Thank you to TechnoRC. Thank you to Sidewinder for your support. All right, so now we're going to talk about the 10-scale Euros that happened in the Netherlands this past weekend. Uh, unfortunately, everything that I've heard about it has been negative, but there were some positive uh, things like uh, Karp, what Marcus Karp winning his second uh, European title before at the age of 15. So he's now 15. He's two-time European champion. Uh, his cars also got still in at the warm-up, so... Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was super happy to see this young kid win this, like his dad going on there to give him a hug. Who's the European champion as well? Barry Baker was talking about that. I'm super pumped for him. But to be honest, this was your Newman's race to win, to lose, and he lost it. He TQ'd every round of this track at this race in qualifying. Won A1, made a mistake in A2, still had a chance to win it in A3, and like just let it all go to shit when he crashed on the driver's stand. And I'm pretty sure Njorn with no hat was like, what the fuck? Well, let's, uh, let's have a look at the video while we can. So this is that. And yeah. um, let's see if I can put us below this. There we go. Maybe that's a little better. 
But uh, this is a track. It, it, wow. Not too much positivity coming about this track. There we see Yoran Newman going out there. But uh, Max, why don't you tell us a little bit while we're watching this, how Carap actually won this? Uh, because it did come to an eight. Yeah, so he won it by very short time. Uh, very close, closely. Yeah, so basically this was one of the most interesting ways uh, um, a three-leg uh, finals can like happen because of the fact that uh, it, the guy who was in second didn't have a win. So Orlowski finished second in both of the first two mains. And Karab uh, uh, had a three, uh, Jorn had a one and a three, and uh, then Karab won the second main. So Onongaro also had a three. So technically there was uh, four drivers going into the last main who could win it, and they started all in top four. So basically all that was needed for Jorn was to finish in second, and... Uh, then hope that uh, Michal finishes first and has the worst time. Okay, so he could have let Michal buy and like, or slowed everyone down, then let Michal buy and like, or something like that, that he could have won it like that. But he ended up making a mistake and uh, this let uh, Karab and Michal go uh, out front. So, yeah, I mean, and. The thing is that even on the third leg, Michal was leading it. Uh, and uh, actually, if you could fast forward to it, there was actually a moment which kind of uh, like solved the uh, European Championships because Kerop had a time. Um, are we having advertisements? I have ads. Sorry, I don't have YouTube Premium. Um, this is a so we are Okay, this is perfect because at this point, or Orlowski is leading and Karup is in third, which would grant uh, Karup a win. I think that's Borok uh, that was in second just now. Oh, no, that was probably Ongaro. Ongaro, sorry. Yeah, and right there, Ongaro crashed. And at this point, Orlowski is still winning, and he has a forecast that's better than Karup. Uh, Neumann finished with the seven-second result, uh, Kara finished with a six second result in his win. So at this point, Kara needs just the three, um, to win it and a better, and Orlowski needs to have a worse time. Okay. And right at this point, Orlowski is leading and he's doing better than the Kara's number one time. And that would give him enough to win the European title. And it's going to be, I think, this lap when Mikhail is going to crash. And he ends up actually finishing three tenths uh, of Kerab's best time, or four tenths, or something like this. I think Michal Press is here right now. No, it, was, it must be the next lap then. So to, the second to last Look, lap. There it is. Oh, he's here. He hit, the, yeah. he hit the. Yeah. So he crashes there, and that basically gives it away. He wow. loses enough time uh, to lose the European Championship right there. Uh, wow, that's crazy. This will be the last lap, and you will see Michal finish with 507 point something, and Karab had a high 5.6 result. And that pretty much, both had a 1 and a 2, and uh, Jorn had a 1 and a 3, which ended up putting Michal in a second on the podium, and Jorn filling the last spot. 
And actually, Ongaro ended up finishing fourth. fourth. So yeah. Almost the same top three, just flipped. Do you think that uh, there's, look at, uh, there we are. There's the young Marcus Carap. I'm so happy for him. But uh, poor Orlowski, that one mistake. Yeah. He still has not won a two-wheel drive world championship. Uh, European championship. But Sorry, yeah. European championship. Yeah, but that's, to me, when I was watching this, and I was like, okay, Michal's got it in a bag now. All he has to do is bring it home, run a few solid laps. Because that that mistake was at least two seconds, like mm-hmm. easily two seconds. So he could have run half a second slower laps in the end and still made it, you know, still won the European Championship. So that, that's, he, and he must know it. Like he probably knew it right as he crossed the line, you know. Yeah. Because that was that, that's under five tenths, the guy. I think it's four tenths. The actual gap that was between Kerr's best result and Orlowski's best result. All right. So, how it's done in Europe is this race actually starts on Monday. So, they do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, two wheel drive. Then it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, four wheel drive. Four wheel drive was plagued with rain. Uh, this was an outdoor track. So, um, there was a lot of scatter action about that. But in the end, it ended up being Orlowski, Karap, Newman, Widmeyer, Kobovic, Coelho, Borak, Kilik. Very good job to Borak, Kilik, and Ongaro, both making these mains, right? Uh, not really 10 skill drivers in the in their own right. Mohammed Ben uh Ben Mohammed. Mohammed Ben Mohammed, whatever. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. The young kid from France. <laughs> ben Mohammed, he was in ninth, who also finished third last year. And Martin Bayer. We expected the X-rays to do well here, so here they are with three cars in the final. And um, yeah, Arlowski takes this in two. I just and also they ch- do a track change, dude. This is probably the fastest wall, and it's pretty big. Probably one of the biggest walls I've seen next to the big wall we had at PNB that time. But this wall was fast and scary. So they changed yeah. the track, and these guys actually raced on, a, on that wall was the change of the track for four wheel drive. And, um, yeah, here we see Arlowski. He wins it in two. But I just want people to see this wall because it was nuts. Yeah, four-wheel drive and the contrast between two-wheel drive having probably one of the most exciting conclusions to the three mains with Dorn winning the first and then tumbling down in order both the A2 and A3. And then four-wheel drive just... uh, Michael pretty much lights to flags finish every each time round and taking his second European Championships in four drive. Yeah, eight years apart. Uh, yeah. yeah, this was really was not very as enta- entertaining as the two wheel drive race. Uh, also, see that chicane right there. That's a big discussion of talk. One point eight eight meter meters in diameter and width. That was a big uh, uh, gripe by a lot of drivers as it being so narrow. Um, yeah, so thus ends this with Mikhail Orlowski winning this, uh, and two, uh, do we have who came second here? Let's see. Um, yeah, so it was actually Neumann who finished mm-hmm. in second. He ended up winning a three and I can't believe if he was this main, uh, or the second main way he ended up finishing second. Uh, it must've been the second main Jesus, because he's at last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he ended up winning a three while battling with. Marcus Carroll. The A3 was probably the most exciting because there was lots of lead changes. Coelho was in the lead, Carroll was in the lead, Neumann was in the lead. Uh, a big battle. So I think it ended up being Neumann in second, um, actually Kilic in third, 
and then uh, Coelho in fourth, and with uh, Kara dropping down all the way to sixth, uh, fifth. Kalik running yeah. the Yokomo too, by the way. Yeah, that's like that to me is interesting. That Yokomo off-road side has been very quiet for since pretty much since Lee last won his European Championship. See, like since then, Lee has not done that well. Uh, Mayfield left, um, and uh, yeah, it's been like for the I heard past this is year last so, Euros. Okay, well that that's interesting. I didn't know about that, but he definitely he missed the May in tour drive by a very small margin in the end, yeah, yeah. like a second or something. Well, I mean that is also a big story. No UK drivers, like no UK drivers in any of the finals. Uh, yeah, big blow. Was, I haven't seen anything yeah. like that for quite some years. Um, and considering that it's an Astro track, this should favor exactly. them, you know. But exactly. then it like. Well, maybe now we can start discussing a little bit about the track. Okay. That this is pretty much an eight-scale track. It's yes. really not a 10-scale track. And the thing is that it's it's really not a, a, a different thing uh, compared to last year's. There's been Euros in Pinerola twice, and that's an eight-scale track. There's been Euros on... Uh, oh, no. There was, not there was one Pinerola. in Spain... That was an eight. Yeah, track. Valladolid. Yeah, there's been twice there as well, and that's that's pretty much an eight scale track. Uh, well, it's fully an eight scale track, and then like which are the Robin Hood and Sweden have are pretty much Robin Hood and Sweden and well Robin Hood twice <laughs> and the Swedish 2014. Those in my memory are the only tracks. Well, Reims too. Reims had the Euros in 2017. So there's been four Euros in the last, I'd say, 10 years that have been on a 10-scale track. So it's, to me, that's quite crazy. Like, again, it's the same issue as we talked before. Track's not bidding for the Euros. And... uh Next year, they're looking to be in Malmö in Sweden uh, on an indoor track on the carpet. Oh, yeah. Actually, a uh, purpose-built track in a stadium. Yeah. A big stadium, uh, uh, I must tell. So that's that's great. That's great. I like that. Um, but, yes, this track definitely caused a lot of uh, kerfuffle. Um, I was talking to, obviously, should, should we wait for a rant or should we talk about it now? Um, but if you read I Neil think, Craig's... I think- yeah, actually, I'll I'll pull it up because this was actually one of the um, biggest things that I heard about the race afterwards, uh, that people were not that pleased. Yeah, so from what I heard was that chicane section, that black traction section was only 1.88 meters long, wide. Uh, I heard that that was a big deal. I heard that the tire issue, because it was raining, they should have had a wet tire. Here we go. I hope people can. All right. Yeah, we can see that. You can read it, Max. You're better at reading yeah. these things. Yeah. So basically, here, Neil just goes on that he found, like, because he's attended, what, he's 26 years of Euros, and he said this is the worst he's ever attended. Um, and... Uh, he says here the same thing I said, like 
most tracks on the last 15 years have been on an eight scale size track size track which is to me it's like it's not not acceptable for the 10 scale euros it, because we have so many high level 10 scale year uh, drivers in europe and not having proper you know tracks for them like it it's it's not acceptable in my opinion um right but, but why here, are these tracks bidding on these races it comes back down to raw right why aren't they bidding on these races yeah it's it's down to the federations it's like mm-hmm. it's not affordable enough um it doesn't make them money it's to me it's just uh i don't i really don't know like i would have to know the specifics like how much money goes in how much money but, they put in let's, like what let's re- is there the salt let's uh, read what neil said i'll read it from the top yeah so let's go back up to the top, Max, so we can read yeah. this. All right. Uh, I'll read it. So this is from Neil Craig, who we both said might win this race, by the way. Yeah. He ended, up, he ended up in C-Main, I believe. Oh, my God. That was proper shite. So, yeah. so the Euros finished on Saturday with four-wheel drive finals again. Same as two-wheel drive. I wasn't quite there. I wanted to be, but reluctant, relatively content with 14th overall. So it was 14th in, in four-wheel drive. I gave it my all, and that's the best result I got. Big congratulations to both champions, both fully deserved winners. I've got a few things I need to get off my chest about this event, so bear with me, and please don't comment. I'm only complaining because I did shit. You guys know I call it as I see it, regardless of my result. I don't go in for bullshit. I've attended Afro Euro events for 26 years, and this was quite clearly the worst one I've ever attended. The track was awful, simple as that. I spoke to A, B, C, through to H, I, J, racers and not one driver had a good thing to say about it why do we continue to run Efra's biggest 10 scale race of the year on an eight on eight scale tracks question one i'm tired of it i think that 70 to 80 percent of the last 15 years have been on the wrong size track this needs to be addressed are clubs just not willing to put in for euros is it not worth their time financially is the reason why racers are not are just not attend is this the reason why racers are just not atten- just not attending yours? These are questions that need to be asked. Scroll down, please. The facility was not up to scratch for a European championship. It looked like we were racing at a club meeting. How can a racer turn up to an international event and have to go to IKEA to buy their own chair for their own pit table? So just for people to understand that might be listening to this in America... Uh, usually at these races, at international races, these places have pits and everything set up for international racers. Similar to how Silver State is, if you haven't been to Silver State. Uh, this was a disgrace in my books. The international racing, this is international, that's international racing 101. Provide adequate pitting for everybody. At no point in this entire meeting was the, at no point was in, in this me- entire meeting was the schedule actually used correctly. I'm not sure whose fault this was, but it was constantly running in front of it. They simply cannot happen. What if someone misses their race because they're looking at the official schedule? Also made harder to follow by an online timing system that only worked every now and then. Well, my RCM was absolute shite. I do not like it, but, you know, this is what they choose to use. I don't understand why people just don't use live RC. It's the best. Or Everlaps. It's the best. Well, the the big issue with um, this is, because I have addressed this in Finland. Uh, Let me pull this down for a minute so I can go through this. Like the issue is that P- the clubs have to pay 800 euros for mm-hmm. the MyRCM software. And then you have it forever. Oh, so you don't have to and pay yearly? Uh, um, you have to Monthly? pay yearly for the updates, 
but it's much less than for live RC. So a lot of these clubs have paid the 800 uh, recently to get the software. Okay. And then they sometimes pay the yearly thing to get the updates. Right. Perhaps this club hasn't paid the yearly update. And that's why they had so many issues because they have the old version. It doesn't sync up correctly. Who knows? I don't know if that's a real reason, but that could be. It seems to be a problem. And, and this, this, uh, was an is- issue in Finland as well. We, okay. I tried, I tried to say that, Hey, we should use live RC because it's, much more modern. It like actually functions nicely. Um, my RCM has everything else pretty solid. That's some good features. It's just, I'm out, not saying it's it's not just, good. It's just outdated. You know, everything like the the visual visuals, finding races, all of that. That's very outdated. Uh, and Live RC ha- has its issues as well, but it's much more user friendly, and that's because it's more modern. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's actually in the 2020 century. Oh, 2020, whatever you call it. Okay. I'll continue uh, and, with this, sir. When yeah. Done. And uh, then, yeah, Everlapse is the same as LiveRC. It's a modern modern software. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, why the clubs won't change. It's because everyone is using MyRCM. The timers know MyRCM, and they don't have to pay anything anymore. Okay. And uh, I, I wish people did. The issue with MyRCM, too, is it's open source. And they only change something is F route requires them to. Okay. So, yeah. All right. So continuing on with Niels, um, you pulled it down, but we'll bring it back up. Um, uh, it should be on the screen right now. Okay, I got it. Okay, so we finished off with the timing. Why do we have control tires that don't work in the wet? Watching some of the best drivers in the world struggle to physically get their car around the track was frankly embarrassing. I don't know the reason behind this, but it's such an easy fix. I ha- I it just have a controlled wet tire. It doesn't have to be this hard. Also, why did we not have to run the control tire and control practice at this event? That don't make sense. If you're going to run a wet tire in practice, you should be able, you should just run the you know they should have a wet tire in my opinion. This that. The, the clues in the title, that clues in the title, when it was wet in two-wheel drive CP, what was stopping people from just putting on wet tires? I have it on good authority that this did happen. So it's saying that some people use wet tires in two-wheel drive. You go on. A top okay. driver had a lap missed in one of the qualifiers and rightly had it reinstated. When this happened to a lower driver, he was told they were only doing this for the top three heats. That's bullshit. This is ridiculously wrong. We all paid the same to attend this meeting. Treat us the same. No, no cheering in the finals, as apparently this is a rule now. It's not much of a spectacle to watch racers drive around in silence. I don't know about other racers, but I love a cheering crowd in the finals. It improves the thing we are trying to promote immeasurably. They, they just, they're just some of the things that were wrong with the meeting. I can think of, I can think of off the top of my head. I feel terrible having to write this, but some things need to be said. My Euros wins are some of my greatest achievements, and I'm still passionate about the event being the pinnacle of European racing. But there's a reason why racers would rather do the EOS or one of the big events like MKGP. This isn't what I want for the Euros. This isn't about stating slating governing bodies or anyone individually. I just want the event to get back to where it used to be. Like and share if you agree. Just call me a washed-up crybaby in the comments. 
or just call me a washed up crybaby in the comments. It's up to you. These are my views, mine alone, and I'm not finishing with my usual list of sponsors. Well said, Neil Craig. Well said. Uh, somebody with a voice had to say something like this, right? Yeah. Instead of I think I from think... a podcast always saying it. Uh, yeah. So I 100% agree with Neil. I think there should have been a wet tire. I think, I don't know. Should we just save it? You know what? Maybe we should just, I don't know. Should we just go into a rant now or should we save it for uh, later? Because I really want to rant about the no, I really want to rant about Afro. So we'll save that. We'll save that for, that's coming up after yeah. questions, everybody. But you see, yeah, but, Neil Craig yeah. said this, my buddy, uh, who I'm not going to say his name, he also messaged me this morning. He says that, I look, I'll get into this. I'll get into this in a bit. He said the same things as Neil. He said there were weeds on the track. Like, it's like, how could you come to her with weeds? And, uh, you know, same thing. There were rumors of people using silvers in the wet. Some drivers, he said, the top drivers were treated much better than the lower drivers, which wasn't right. He says the ref wasn't even on the Afro 10 scale list of refs. So, and he said that Afro didn't even visit this track at the warm-ups prior to coming to this. So Afro, you fucking dropped the ball, right? And when you drop the ball like that, we have to fucking talk about it. But we're going to do that in our rant after this because it's unacceptable as probably what I consider to be the best governing body out there. But you know what? I heard who they sent. They sent that guy, Paul Worsley. Who's... <laughs> I'll talk about that in the rant. I'll talk about that guy in the rant. We'll do that in the rant. We're going to answer some questions. I, I don't want to take away from the people that did win this event. Congratulations to Mikhail Orlowski. Congratulations to Marcus Karap. Congratulations to everybody that went. I'm sure not everybody. I'm sure people still had fun. But there are definitely some issues that need to be addressed. I'm so glad somebody like Neil Craig, who's won this event many times, who's had a glorious career of 26 years, used his voice for something good in RC. Yes, it's complaining, but it's good complaining because we need to get these issues talked about. And that said, Max, do you have anything to add before, on the euros before we go into questions? Not, not uh, anything too specific, but I think it's just, um, it's a, it's a continuous issue that needs to be properly addressed, like every time. Not just like this, that the 10 scale Euros have had these same issues for many, many years. The same mm -hmm. eight, eight scale tracks, the, the organization isn't properly the standards. One year they had a 10 minute delay, which wasn't even really in the rules in the, in the last A main. A lot of things like that has happened at the 10 scale uh, euros before. And, uh, I think now things have gotten worse, like bad enough where it's, uh, time for a proper shake. And, uh, I would agree. In the back I would agree. I 100% agree. I 100% agree with you, Max. It's time to shake things up for this. I agree. We will do that on the rat in a minute in a couple minutes. But before that, uh, once again, congratulations to everybody. I look forward to hearing some of the English podcasts about the event. And uh, to those who reached out to me to talk about it, it's time for change and effort too. And we need to start implementing that. There's people out there that want to do the job. We need to figure out how to get them and they can do a better job because they're doing already doing a better job in the federations that they're at. And you know what? Even your Orchid Polly looks like it is upset with effort at this point. Yeah. 
I gave your orchid a name. All right. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go on to the Beach RC bench racing Q&A. We do have some questions that people asked a couple of weeks ago. We're going to get into them. There's not many. Max, you're not going to go into full science mode, even though some people request you to go into full science mode. We are going to, I'm going to have to uh, uh, pumpernickel seed you. No, pumpernickel is not a thing. We're going to have to uh, what I'm gonna lemon do. drop you. That's what lemon drops. That's the, that's the uh, secret word in today's, uh, you know, beach RC bench racing Q and A. BeachRC.com, the racer's one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So fill up your cart and check out at BeachRC.com today. Thank you to BeachRC for your continued support. Uh, we look forward to seeing Lucas and Brent at Wicked Weekend this weekend, co- upcoming weekend. And thank you very much. All right. So we do have some questions that people asked a few weeks ago, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll start off with John Wolf. This is actually for me. He says, I doubt Max, Max can answer this as you have to be experienced both. Well, what's better, bacon or sex? Uh, I think they're both great. I think bacon after sex, extra crispy is great. That's my opinion. I like I'm bacon. vegan, actually, so I do have to say sex at this point. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, now we're going to get into some RC questions. Justin Williams, what is the difference in adjusting kick up instead up instead of adjusting the caster, or are they the same? Not the same. Um, caster only adjusts the angle of the uh, tire when you steer it. Uh, well, not only that, but pretty much the, the only difference between adjusting camber or uh, caster is that when you steer, the tires kind of lean back, you know, on it, on themselves when you have more caster. And um, that makes it so that you the outer tire raises up, the, uh, the inside tire pushes down which changes the amount of uh, force on the tire between like centered or full lock. Then the other thing is like you have more stability because the kingpin goes through much more further forward in the tire. So more stability on higher speed. Um, Kick up does all that as well, because when you adjust kick up, it also adds to caster. But on top of this kick up also, um, makes the car uh so we're talking about anti-geometry and basically hiccup is pro-geometry and uh, i have a video about this on my channel max Mert rc uh we're talking about how these affect the car but basically the short explanation is that when you brake or accelerate the center of gravity of the car wants to stay still so it puts a force onto the car and it moves sort of uh, it squats back or like dives forward on, on the braking or on acceleration. And, uh, when you have more kick up, the angle of the arm is facing more directly the center of gravity, which means that you will have more dive 
when you go into the corner or and more lift when you go out of the corner because the suspension um, direction matches more closely the range that the force that the center of gravity is applying to the suspension. When you have, basically think of it as uh, pro squat in the back. Like if you add pro squat to the back, it, the car is going to squat more and uh, race more on, on braking. It's the same thing, but in the front. Um, and uh, that's the mo- most noticeable thing about kick-up, whereas caster, you feel the change in steering pretty much uh, entirely. So if you want to like... It's it's easy to have some visualizations of this. So the video I have made on this is actually quite simple explanation with the visualization. So please, if you want to know more, go check that out. But that's the most of it. Like more kick up, more movement on the front, uh, slower transport of the weight to the tire because some has to go to the movement of the car and uh, less kick up the opposite. Okay, great, great answer. Brett Ryan, when lifting a buggy from under the chassis in the middle of middle to full suspension, ex- sorry, okay, let me rephrase that. When lifting a buggy from under the chassis in the middle to full suspension extension, should the chassis be level? I'm confused by that. No, uh, the front. He basically means that should uh, like the droop in the mm-hmm. front and the rear match each other, and uh, generally no, generally. On eight scale buggies, we run more droop in the back, less droop in the front. Um, I believe this is mostly due to having a lot of bumps. So you have bumps, you don't want the front end to always get so stuck in the bumps. You get better over the bumps uh, with uh, less droop in the front. But then you have the droop in the rear, which keeps the car quite, uh, the rear end more stuck to the ground. Let's say that. that's the probably the best explanation of that. Okay. But then again, on on high grip, uh, you kind of want the opposite because you have so much uh, side bite the, that when you go into a corner, the front end dives so much. Uh, but you want to keep the front end, you know, nimble so you have a lot of steering. So actually, you r- reduce the rear, um, what you call it, rear droop, and then you might even add some front droop. This will give you a feeling of the car still has movement. But the car won't push the front end as far down in the ground going into the corners because the rear end maxes out on droop. So on low grip and in general on H scale, you want to have rear tires uh, have a little bit more droop. And on really high grip, such as Astro or something, you want the opposite. Uh, and then 10 scale, you same same thing pretty much. Most of the time in four wheel drive, you run a bit more in the front. Uh, even on lower grip, but in tool drive, almost exclusively more in the rear. Okay. Robert Cooper, question for Max. Should you worry about your temperature at your of your nitro engine when you come off the track? Not necessarily. There, there's, there's a range where you want it to have. Like if it's, well, I don't know what this is. Okay, I'll put it in Fahrenheit, 250 to 275. Yeah. So... In Celsius, usually 110, 130. Mm-hmm. If you're in that range, uh, th- then you're usually safe. But generally, what the temperature tells you is that if the engine is running really hot, but it's still you know, not producing a lot of power, it might be a case that it's actually too lean. You know, So 
it's sort of an additional tool to help you with your engine tuning. And same thing, like if you're feeling you don't have enough power or that the engine feels rich or something and it's cold, it could be just that it doesn't warm up because a lot of the times, like especially these cap forward bodies, they have so much cooling that you can't get the engine to warm up if it's even a little bit rich, uh, if it's cold weather as well. So things like that, uh, the, it's just another tool to help you check that the engine is in range. But it necessarily, like, what I've heard is uh, in Celsius, it's 90 degrees plus the ambient temperature. Uh, it's kind of a good, uh, like, gauge for you to okay. range off of, you know. Uh, like. Also, i like to add to that is that I find that if engines are, it's a, it's a guideline, right? You you can have an engine. I've seen engines that I've had that run hot. Like they run hot, but they run. Yeah. That's the only time they run good. If, yeah. I think as long as they're blowing smoke, like good smoke, and they're not like lean bogging or got that lean ding 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 ding. Yeah. Uh, it might be three hundred plus degrees. You know. And yeah. But if that's the temperature that it runs at, then you should uh do that. You know. Um. So. That's just my thoughts on that. Like a lot of people tune to a certain temperature, and I don't think that's correct because each engine is different. No, each each yeah. ambient temperature is different. So that's my thoughts on that. All right, uh, Martin Pilmeyer, whose birthday it is today, he's up in Canada. He says, compared to touring cars that have almost endless setup adjustments, why are one eight scale buggies almost archaic in tuning options? I get that they have to be overbuilt for durability, but it appears that buggies from ten to fifteen years ago, ten to fifteen years ago, are very similar in basic design. And similar uh, geometry to ones released now. So I just want to add that we saw I saw some really badass touring cars posted in our NNRC Discord, and this same question kind of came up. So I want to hear your thoughts on it because I have my thoughts on it. Yeah. So there's many sort of um, prototype projects uh, as well as like some smaller products. Like well, the latest one is probably the Iris. Uh, from Andreas Murberry. And then there's the Serpent. I don't know what was it called. Serpent made a, a car which uh, Victor will put in the world, same way, back in 2017, I think. 20, no, must, it was in China, maybe 2016. Can't remember exactly. And then obviously the Automatics is the most uh, notable one. Um, my take on this is that. The age scale buggies are generally a bit older platform. You know, we started from like the development for age scale buggies started quite early on, whereas touring cars are much newer. You know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. pan cars are very simple, and that's kind of like the, the thing. You, you, if you add things, uh, you are going to gain weight, which is not like because they run at minimum weight. Um, it's not beneficial. They have to run a solid reaxle. So that's why they have stayed the same for most of the time. Eight scale buggies, like, I don't see much things that you could do with them. Like, apart from, like, then you would lose durability. Like, even touring cars, the only major difference is the, the suspension, like, uh, shock absorber development. Like, but you can't really do that in, in eight scale buggies because you have to have a certain range of suspension. Um, 
I was thinking about this quite a bit uh, when when I read this question, and I don't think necessarily that eight scale hasn't developed, but I think what was to be developed was done quite early on, and then you know that's just been kind of honed in. I think in the future we're gonna see you know better shocks, better diffs, and then an adjustable rear. Uh, like toe, so like active toe in the rear. I think those are the things that are going to happen. And then some minor improvements to like the chassis layout, the car is going to become lighter with still maintaining the the durability. I think those are the things that we're going to see soon. Uh, but the issue mainly is that uh, it's going to be much more expensive. You know, A-scale cars are already quite expensive. And then creating a new shock, that's going to be even more expensive. Whereas touring cars, it's like if you made a touring car kind of how it was made, uh, let's say, 10 years ago, that would be about the price of a tool-drive buggy, really. There isn't much expensive stuff in an old one. But these new ones, uh, they have so much stuff that like putting that to the 8-scale size and durability requirements, it would take much more. So that's one uh one factor that is decreasing that development. But I think I think with touring cars, it was just mostly them realizing that you don't have to run plastic stuff everywhere, you know? Like you can put carbon fiber and uh, you can put uh, active toe and so on. So okay. I think the, the development looks to be bigger than it in reality is, in my Well, opinion. I think it, it comes down to one thing. Two things, dart and jumps. Onward, onward has none yeah. of that. Oh yeah, that's, that was actually one of my one so of my points. Let's let's fast. Let's look at let's look at full scale world, right? Let's look at motocross bikes, and let's look at onward bikes, right? Mm-hmm. Now the general design of now I know there's lots of changes been made in suspension and all that stuff and, and off road bikes, but the general design, the general look of motocross bikes is still the same. Mm-hmm. Now you look at the drastic changes that like that we have in in on-road bikes now like it's so so much more high tech i would say because it's so much it's mm-hmm. more space it's more electrical components more all that type of stuff right it's no different in off-road off-road has jumps it has to be durable it has to put up with dirt it has to put up with um it also has to put up with driving completely different whereas on-road bikes or on-road is mostly full you know full tilt and they don't have to deal with jumps, man. You have you seen like? Could you imagine having all that nice fancy stuff from a touring car on offer a car, and somebody comes on like me, takes a jump and does three million flips or cartwheels, and you just see there's weights and everything just popping off because it's just not feasible, right? Um, it's it's it comes to a point where you design just to design, or you design for function. And offer it. I remember somebody commented like this. They said, "Oh, I thought the Mayaka was going to look like this when it came out." Yeah, you can make all of that put make it look pretty, but if it don't fucking work, it don't work, right? I'm not saying yeah. that it can't work, but then what if you have to pay two thousand five hundred dollars for kit just because of that, mm-hmm. right? It durability is the key, right? Durability jumps. People, don't, I think if you understood how much stress you put on these cars when you jump them. Then you get it wrong. We jump. If a if a ten scale car goes airborne or on road car goes airborne, it usually results in catastrophic disaster. 
right? That car yeah. blew into bits. So it's it's that's it. It comes down to that jumping, dart, offering. Yeah, you know? actually, I don't know why I forgot about this. I forgot my best argument <laughs> for this because I, I thought about all those things I said before, and I I think those are valid arguments. But actually, this was the one I I landed up on the, the time I thought about this, and it was that. Off-road has so much more variables. Variables. You have you have engine, you have tires, um, you have changing track conditions all the you time. Have all you, know, you, the you have all of that in intense. You have all of that on road too. But no, but it's, more it's, drastic. it's the window. The window, like yes. that's what I'm talking about. The on-road car, the suspension travel is probably like 20 millimeters, even if that, like from all the way down to full droop. I think it's even less than that. So, like, the window of that being wrong is much smaller. Same with, you know, flex on the car. You know, less mm-hmm. force is affecting on it. You are more, like, there's been probably hundreds of different style of, like, bulkheads and center, like, engine mounts designed for touring. Whereas for off-road, flex is, yeah, it's a factor, but it's not, like, you're going to get tense from that, you know? <laughs> so it's just, there's so many things that could go wrong or could be a little bit off that in off-road, it's the best to find something that works even with all those variables being a little bit off. Whereas touring, you have the chance to actually uh, make it perfect. You know, that's why we see like at some of these events, like, for example, that few, like, I think a year ago where Orlowski really was fast at a few of these races, but then some races it was really not that good, you know, because they, they could match their car to be perfect at that one type of condition, you know. So that's really much more easier to do an on-road. And on top of all this, an on-road, they always run control tire. There's never open tire. So basically for the companies, it's much more useful and much easier to develop the car, find things that work for them. And if they come up with a solution that is actually giving them even a tenth, but costs, let's say, 50 bucks more for the customer, it might be worth it in the end. But for off-road, if you win a tenth, but it's le- mo- mo- less, um, what you call it, uh, less appealing to the customer, it's not worth doing, really. Mm, so. I agree with you. I agree with those points, 100%. You're muted, dude. I think my mic is dying. Oh, okay. All right, well, we're going to wrap this up here shortly. Brendan Hong, he wants to know, after every race, it seems my flywheel seems to move its position because I mark top, bottom top, he goes, I mark bottom dead center. I know it has slipped, moved after each race weekend. What can I do to prevent my flywheel brass collet from slipping? I've cranked on the nut as tight as possible. With threadlock, change flywheel, college, change flywheel, thoughts, low C, four shoe, clutch. I think that's just part of maintenance, man. After a race weekend, you should be pulling your clutch off anyway. Okay, can can you hear me now? Yeah, it's on your computer mic, but I mean, your computer mic, but we'll be all right. Yeah, my mic ran out of uh, power. I should have probably charged that one as well. I just only charged mine. And the funny thing is, in probably about two minutes, my camera battery is going to die because yes. we reached two hours. <laughs> okay. 
but uh, about the flywheel. Um, basically, uh, you you kind of have to edge it in there a little bit before you tighten it. That's one thing. Another thing is make sure edge that it? the quality. You you kind of have to like push it in there properly with your fingers before, oh, the and then yeah, the oh, collar. Pull the crank out. Yeah, like like open the back plate of the engine, push it real like out and then put the collet in, push it all the way in and then don't let it like move any and then put the, the clutch, uh, what you call it, flywheel on and then screw in the nut while still holding the flywheel back with your hand. Okay, mm -hmm, so it's a, mm -hmm. it's a, like a, this sort of hand, <laughs> hand motion, you pull it back. So uh, that kind of thing, that th that's probably going to help you a bit. But if that doesn't help, then I'd say the issue is that uh, um, you're running the wrong type of collet for your flywheel. Could be. He said he changed them. But I would. I used to put red thread lock on my and that nut too. But what you said makes sense, pulling the flywheel, uh, pulling the crank to its proper position. Because sometimes they go back just a fraction. And yeah. then you don't get the collet on there. And honestly, after a race weekend, you should be pulling your engine apart. You're not, but well, you should be checking that stuff anyway, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you don't really have to do it, but it's, it's, I, I pretty much before any time I go into a race, I pull my engine apart. Okay. Donald Tomer says he like to say hello from Alaska. What's up, Donald? How are you doing up there in Alaska? He also wants to know what, what do we think about the really 610R? Is that a 10 scale ESC? If so, I have yeah, no idea. it's their it's their new ESC for 10 scale. But I do have to say that I think it's just an update. You know, like in the 10 scale ESC market, there really isn't much. Like they, there just isn't much to figure out anymore. Like until there's like a big update again. You know, like mm -hmm. some smart things like traction control, whatever things like that. You know. I don't see there being like there used to be times, you know, where Hobby Wing had all kinds of different things. You know, they had like um uh what you call it, the throttle rate, all of those options they had you could tune it. You had different settings for the turbo slope. And like a lot of different brands didn't have this. Like LRP was so far behind back then. Uh really was pretty good when they came out with the ESC. Uh, their durability was pretty poor in the start, but like almost all ESCs have good durability. All almost all ESCs have the same tuning options right now, and there really isn't anything big you can do. Like we like with a normal update, you know, it's I don't see there being big improvements until we start to get some sort of like active or kind of like um, traction control type of thing because you could technically do that. You can feel the, what kind of input, the, well, what kind of force the engine is getting, you know, the mm -hmm. resistance from the engine. So that kind of like programming around that, then adjusting the power accordingly. If there's those kind of features, then I, I think that's going to be a big improvement. Right now, I just don't see ESCs jumping up that much like eight scales still has a little bit to do because they're really bad like the initial touch um like you can get it good 
but it's still it's not as good as Tenscale. It's it feels off compared okay. to Tenscale. No matter no matter which brand you run, really. Okay. Moving on, we have some Instagram questions uh, from my boy Gene Strout. Check out SJ Racing for all your kit builds. He wants to know how you think TJ's will do at the Sparkle Car. Well, he's going to race at Wicked Weekend. We'll see. We also touched on that the last time we talked when we thought about TJ's. Uh, Witzel RC wants to know. He's from Brazil. I want to know about the Worlds in 2024. So do we. Yeah. <laughs> we're waiting for yeah. that as well. So we don't know. And then we're going on to some YouTube questions. And one is from, let's see, I have this up here. The first one is, uh, Dakri Man wants to know our thoughts on the new BM2802 buggy. that got to be the Ferrari of eight-scale buggies. I think we commented on that last year. We said it's just a Offner rebrand or something. Yeah. Uh, um, yes. Ohabao, sorry. Gaines RC says, can you talk about entry-level Nitro kit do's and don'ts. Uh, let me see what he actually means by that. Uh, I would say one of the biggest things is in Nitro do's and don'ts is go ask for help. So yeah. go ask for help. Like, you know, so basically he's an, an electric racer. I've done somewhere along, somewhere along the line. I've got the bit by the Nitro bug. Uh <laughs> And then another guy says, excellent question. I just bought a, a RC8 nitro kit for the sole purpose of turning in electric. I don't why I don't know why I have this urge to do so. What are the biggest downfalls or pitfalls to approaching all your opinions? If you're gonna buy an electric kit, buy an electric kit because they sell them. Don't try to transfer over. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I would say, like ask questions. Don't be scared to ask questions. Don't be scared to get people to help because tuning the engine and clutches is going to be your biggest thing, right? So get people to help you with that. Also, make sure your clutch is right before you start tuning because if you have a, your clutch isn't right, uh, it isn't going to work. Get somebody who knows how to tune an engine to show you how to tune it. Like learn. Ask them questions. Don't be afraid. Say, hey, show them how to do it. Don't just get them to tune it because I think that is the biggest thing with Nitro, tuning the engine. Yeah, but to me... It's actually like the biggest issue is that there really isn't an engine because I could give my engine to almost anyone and they could pretty much like, I don't like the engine I run. I don't think I like had to tune it. I've every time it's a little bit lean on the top, I just like make it richer. If it's a little bit low and idle, I tighten the bottom needle. Like that's all I pretty much do with the engine. Like it's it's actually like crazy how easy my engine is. And the biggest thing is when you have an engine that works, measure the needles, like measure everything. And then, you know, if you have a day where it's just lost, you can tune it and then tune it back to where you was at, you know, because that's, one thing that people have is they tune it, they tune it, they tune it, and then they, they are just completely lost on it. Like it gets the balance is off and so on. Like I think also I well, would add to that, don't don't get these I know it's tempting to get these cheap engines. Mm-hmm. No name yeah, brand engines. Well honestly, man, I'm seeing nothing but problems with them. Am I, am I honest yeah, in, in, in my opinion, the best way to go about it is to get an OS engine. Uh, I think the 2103 
Type R is by far the easiest engine to tune. The Type S is that car sucks, so I don't get that one. <laughs> I get the 2103 Type R or Another option is if you want to like save a bit on the price, get the V spec because that one is still, it has the same card. Uh, the only thing is it doesn't have the DLC crank. So you have to change clutch bearings often. But yeah. as, as when you're, when you're at this point, the biggest, the two biggest things are don't cheap out on fuel, buy fuel that's actually good. Mm-hmm. Uh, then heat your engine every single time like if you don't have um uh like a heater i i just use uh what you call it like a blow like a, a heat heat blower mm-hmm. i guess that's what you call it i use that and i heat it every time to like let's say 10 to 20 degrees below the operational temperature so that way you always ensure like at least 10 to 20 so you sometimes I just heat it up to exactly the operational temperature. I fire it up and I can go straight to drive, you know? That I thing agree. saves your engine so much. It's not, it's like. Saves your connecting you, rod. Yeah, it's like double the life of the engine or triple the life of the engine. It's, it's like, I can not like under, understate how much that actually matters. And ask it's, questions. Go ask for help. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's trying to learn everything on your, on your own with Nitro is very hard. Ask questions, maybe help that person pit as well so you can learn. And just, yeah, that's my biggest thing. And yeah, like Max said, I would I would agree with that. It's tempting to get these cheap, cheap $150 engines, but it, you're just going to get $150 of problems. Yeah, and same with clutch. Don't buy something that nobody runs. Find out like... Like if you run an associated or if you run vegan a Kyosho, I can say for a fact that the clutches those cars come with are really solid. You know, like an associated, you're in four aluminum shoes, four one millimeter springs, you're set. You don't have to worry about it. You know, it's, it might not be the smoothest ever. It might not be the best for your track conditions specifically. But when you're starting out, you're not going to notice things like that. The, it's just that it makes it easier for you because if you're running too soft springs or too stiff springs or wrong type of shoes, mm-hmm. it's going to feel off and you're going to think it's the tune, but it's actually the clutch. And also, please change your clutch shoes often and clutch mm-hmm. bell as mm-hmm. well. Those mm-hmm. type of things makes it feel weird. And the next question coming from, and good luck with your Nitro Endeavor uh, Gains RC. The next question comes from Case watch, Edwards. Uh, actually, watch Joseph's video. That's that probably, too. That's a great video. Yeah. Uh, how to tune a nitro engine. Case Edwards, could clutch choice affect what you run in your diffs? Um. Well, to some extent, yes. If you run a really smooth clutch, you might be able to get away with a little bit thicker center and rear diffs, but that's pretty much only like on power because there are situations where you you'll be off power and you want something from the divs and you can't do anything about that with with the clutch but especially the rear diff uh you could run a little bit thicker if you have a smooth clutch granted that you have enough entry steering if you don't have enough entry steering then you can't do that and same with the center pretty much if you feel the car is bad over bumps then 
even going to a smoother clutch probably won't make it possible you to run uh, even a stiffer center stiff but if it if the car feels calm and you go to a smoother clutch you could probably stiffen the center and gradients okay uh okay and our last question aftermath moto mxrc he goes my question is to you guys how do you feel about others starting a podcast about rc community and rc passion he goes by the way i want your questions he says posting my first podcast in over two years on rc lifestyle cars planes etc RC fans since 1976 and a podcast since 2015. Hashtag top snap podcast. I say go for it, man. I think uh, the more out there, the better it is. Uh, I try to promote as many podcasts as possible. Be consistent. Don't do it one or two episodes or three episodes and don't do it. Be consistent. Have a, a week. If you do it weekly, do it weekly, bi-weekly, whatever. Just be consistent with it and do it and put, if you are passionate about it, make sure it comes out in what you do. 100%. And I think it's... Uh... Oh. Sorry, Max. I yeah. muted you by mistake. <laughs> yeah, especially um, like if you are... If you are interested in the racing side, like there is never enough of gossip and like hey could he have done this like in like we go through these races quite quickly and we sort of pick topics that we speak on but there's so much happening at these races that doesn't get documented so if you're like a really rc geek like at least i always like even these days i sometimes go to like old neo photo albums and go through these old races and that doesn't happen anymore. So maybe doing that through podcast could be really nice. I don't know what kind of uh, RC racer this guy is, but that that's at least one thing. I, I sure uh, there's a, there's more the more content about RC out there the better. So yeah. go for it, do it well, be passionate, and let that shine through in your podcast. Yeah, 100%. yeah the passion is the number one thing. That's. That's All right. So you know what, Max? I think that's it for our questions. Thank you to everybody that sent us questions. Uh, we're going to go now. We appreciate it. Uh, remember, you can check out the BeachRC. We have an affiliate link for that. Hit that. That helps us out a little bit. Gives us a little slice. Uh, you know what? We're going into a good old-fashioned, old-school JQ Racing rant. Even though the company doesn't exist anymore. The rant still That's exists. good because we can't be canceled for that, you know? They can't go. be like, oh, we don't want you to run the ad anymore. There we go. <laughs> we are now at that point of the show where you should fasten those seatbelts and put your big boy pants on. Whoa. Things are about to get serious. It's time for the JQ Racing Rant. All righty, we are back. This is the final segment of this week's podcast, and it is the JQ Racing Rant. And this week, it's going to be all about Efra. We've been pretty good to Efra lately. We've been positive about them. But after this last 10 scale war, uh, Euros, we kind of have to talk about it because I heard it was not good from various different people. Uh, and I heard that it was just mismanaged from the get-go. I heard so it comes back to the Earl Guard. Now I don't know who this gentleman Paul Worsley is, but I'm pretty sure he's been involved in effort for quite some time. He was the guy in charge of this this past weekend. I have to admit, 
They put him on. <laughs> so they put. Do you know who Paul Worsley is, Max? By the way, I've met him before. He's he's one of those guys who made made the whole thing about not having announcing, not having cheering during the finals. Okay. I think. So, yeah, so I don't know. Like I think he's great at you know, like making the rules and such. I think he's fine with that, but. Uh, especially like when there's issues, there has been issues before, you know, like the okay. cheering thing and so on. Yeah, that's well. I, I will say this: they should not allow him to comment, commentate, or be interviewed during a finals because we was he was on there and he was breathing through his nose like like this, and that's all you heard. And I remember my boy Adam Reeve goes, "Does he have a breathing apparatus on?" And I said, "Darth Vader in the house commentated like." All through an A main, or I can't remember a qualifier. So it was a qualifier. Dude, my boy Adam just messaged me, bursting out laughing. You said Darth Vader. I said it's not like Darth Vader, right? So let's not have him on there or teach him where the mute button is first off the bat, right? Because that was very distracting and very irritating to hear that. Um, if this is the guy that doesn't allow cheering at these races, then he should be kicked out of front. Simple as that. He is obviously not doing. He does not understand what's going on. He probably done some good things in the past. And has gotten Afro where he is, but he is obviously not, uh, in my opinion, cheering and cheering on people is a vital part of making this an exciting thing. It just brings me back to the memories of when JQ and you went to the Euros and, and JQ goes, it was like vacuum cleaners going around, her yeah. dryers going yeah. around a track. Vroom, vroom. One of the best epic quotes her. Look, man, be excited. Like that makes this race so exciting. When I mean, you see people just sitting there in silence, like, what is this? A fucking funeral or something? Even funerals yeah, celebrate more than this. <laughs> Damn it. What that, is what are we all monks taking a vow of I think, silence? I think actually, because I was thinking about this, like when you said this before we started that you have to rant about this thing. Like I was trying to like bring back into my mind the times at Pinerola and Valladolid when I went to the electric heroes and i just remember watching the a mains and when somebody passed someone and then you know, some someone in the crowd went like woo and then people were like looking at them like oh no you spoke like you cheered for them you know especially below the be drive i've been making some i've been like woo i've been doing the j smoker woo ridiculous yeah. everything and then it makes the race exciting, right? <laughs> Fuck, like, come on, like, what are we trying? Are we trying yeah. to make it exciting, or are we trying to fucking bore people to death? Yeah, I like, and I, I came up with a thing that I think he's really obsessed with ten scale being like tennis. You know, I think tennis they must they be golf. Golf, they cheer too. Yeah, but tennis, they have to be silent when they. It's like just like that, and then they yell like. Oh. Ah! You know, but RC, RC, I think like you don't even have the, you just have the and going down the street. Yeah. Smack, smack, chassis yeah. Slap, no. Fuck me. You know what? Yeah. It's 2023. If I have one crit, I, I, I think Afro is probably the most, the best federation we have out there. But if it's one thing that they suck at, is adaptation, adaptation. And that proved it this past weekend. This is why these 10 scale tracks aren't bidding on. This is why the MKGP uh, or British GP that's going to be held in, in, um, you know, it's not earlier this year is way better than this. People get like, how are we supposed to get people excited? Fuck. Like, I just, I get so frustrated when I heard it's just that's, this is very close minded thinking. 
Um, and like, come on, we want better tracks for these guys. We need better chairman. You know who I'm voting in? I think he's done an excellent job at the BRCA. I think he should, we should figure out some way, but I think the emperor of everything, Martin Owen should be the chairman of 110 scale in Afro. He wants to do things differently. He has done great things for 110 scale and BRCA in a short time. We, we constantly, we, we, we beat on IFMAR, we beat on RAW. Time to clean out the old guard at Afro. If they could, if, if you're struggling to get 10 scale tracks, if, you're, if your concern is more about people being fucking quiet during the mains than actually the event running fucking smoothly or treating the people that are there, everybody equally, as we saw Neil Craig complained about it, then you need to get the fuck out. And you need to let people in there that want to do things differently and want to do things better. I love Afro. I love what they're doing. But this, these people, like, they didn't even have an Afro-approved ref there. So the calls were all over. The, get that guy. Uh, what's his name? Stitson. He's the best ref out there. Get him there. He should be training people how to be referees. And let's fucking let people make noise. This is racing. This isn't. I've been to funerals that have more fucking more action than that. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I think these are some archaic rules that need to be just fucking along with the archaic people that hold them up need to be just fucking well yeah just thank you look i'm not disputing that their contributions to afro and everything are valid yes of course i'm not disputing that but if you don't want to change at the times if you got to go you have got to go i like god damn it could you imagine one thing i would say in america this wouldn't stand no cheering what People that yeah. crowd would go insane. You Europeans are too obedient. They should, everybody should have started cheering. And then what he's going to do, ban everybody from A3? They should have waited to A3 and just went, made as much noise. People should have been th- freaking out, you know, doing this towels and all. I would have been making, I would have encouraged everybody to do it. That's what makes RC exciting. That's what, that's a part of being, ra- of racing. That's a part of sport. That's a part of entertainment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think that's like, this is the issue across all like... All these federations. All federations, all kind of the... Even like events, like private events that are kind of part of the old old style is they don't want to like... They don't see RC as a cool, sweet thing. Like they see RC as kind of the nerdy thing that you fucking dremel your own engines and like sharpened your um coals in the engine whatever you call those <laughs> like br- brushed brushed engines like they see it as kind of a nerdy thing whereas these days rc is it can be anyone you know it can be it's a exactly. it's a full-on motorsport it's cool and i think a lot of people don't see it that way they don't want to make it cool or anything that points in that direction to them seems like somehow off and it's not only about cheering that's not the only issue there's many other aspects about it mm-hmm. like starting from race formats to anything you know the way the tracks are made there's like endless list of things that should be you know improved it's not like everything is shit but hey. like hey. there's no, always no, no, no. things to improve 
But if they want to look at a great example of how to promote your hobby and make things exciting, they just need to look at the British GP and what the BRCA done there. That's all they have to yeah. do. So my goal is now we want Martin Owen, the emperor of everything, to become the new 10th scale chairman of Afro. That is the goal. We need to figure out how to get him in there because obviously these Afro guys, they don't have a clue about promotion. Just imagine yeah. if somebody new came to this and saw this, they would instantly walk out. There's not even any explanation of what's going on. It's just watching things in utter silence. Yeah. But I, I have to say that this is not only an issue on the 10 scale side of things. The same issue exists in 8 scale, just like it's not, not as obvious. Thing. It's not it's not as obvious as no cheering, but like the underlying layers of improvement of RC is still there. I think the main issue is that these people have been in EFRA for a long time. They haven't raised themselves since forever. The, the being a chairman of something is just a hobby for them. They are not in touch with what RC is these days. Like, I for 100% example, agree with you. With, for example, like at the Ibagi Euros, the thing was that they were kind of like um, disqualify people of overcharging their batteries when going to tech. But you could go to the tech and check if your batteries were overcharged at any point. Okay. So basically, the rule was like, you get like, you could get disqualified, but then you could just say, Oh, I'm checking your batteries, and then it would be fine. And somehow they thought this would be a best way to solve like the issues. It's just that they're so out of touch with how things are in RC that they don't understand like, what the RC driver wants, and on top of that, like saying, well, this is in the past, but still saying EOS and ETS are black black races or blacklisted races or whatever, mm -hmm. like things like that. They don't understand improving, staying with the times, adapting to the environment we are in as RC. As Obviously sport. not. Obviously not. And please don't have that gentleman on there for long periods of time talking. I'm sure he, I'm sure this man's a plethora of knowledge, but please show him where the mute button is because I think it was a whole qualifier. He just heard this. <laughs> I didn't watch that one. I have to say because I can't remember it. <laughs> but I mean, in all seriousness, people, things have to change. Things have to change. And the only way they're going to change is exactly what Neil Craig, I'm glad Neil Craig had the balls to go say something. Thank you, Neil Craig. And I heard this from many other people. Let's get Martin Owen in there. I, I think what he's done with the BRCA is excellent. We need to get that old blood out. Yes, thank you for your contrib contributions. You can go chill out now. We need to get new people in that want to get with the times and make things better. So with that said, we're going to end our podcast on that. Actually, I have to say this because um, here's the thing. I just received uh, an email from uh, IFMAR about why they have... Um, chosen the Arizona and why uh, they haven't yet picked the event uh, for the 2024. But they emailed you uh, personally? Yeah, yeah, they emailed me, emailed me personally. They, they, they email contain only this link. I guess this, uh, let me, I haven't checked this yet. Um, I think this is a video of why Phoenix was chosen uh, as the venue for the 20. 23 10 scale um, 
10 scale worlds. Yeah, I think, okay, let's check it. This is, this said, this explains everything why we're going to Phoenix. So let's all uh, watch this video and uh, see, see why they ended up choosing. So I'm guessing this is about the track or something. Um, casino. Looks like a resort of some kind. Doesn't look like hobby action. Um, luxury suites. Um, what is this? Featuring two brand new pools. Uh, and drinks. Um, book your stay today. Okay. Um, well, you did not receive that from more if more. Looks like to me that, um, <laughs> looks like to me that, let me see. Can, can this really be it? Okay. It says on the if more transportation lodging that, uh, Location of awards banquet is Gila River Resort and Casino, Wild Horse Pass. So it is actually that one. So to me, it looks like the International Federation of Man Arranging Resorts is actually uh, retreats. Retreats has, has, retreats has um, actually chosen Phoenix for that nice uh, resort in in Phoenix. So thanks for Ifmar for reaching out to me personally. What made you guys tip over to actually choose this this event? So. Let's hope you find some reason in Brazil as well so we can lock in that event. <laughs> That's yet insane. By the way, that was a joke, people. They did not email <laughs> Max before we get before we get uh, no, in trouble. The, 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 the video isn't a joke. That's actually the, oh, the, video is the, not awards, a joke. the awards banquet will be held. So I I I would I would be I would be surprised if the if my official personnel won't be staying at that resort, drinking their margaritas at the two brand new pools. <laughs> anyway, that's enough ranting for the ranting for today. But yeah, we definitely have to get some <laughs> some improvement in if in Efra. We can't have what was happening this past weekend. I'm glad that Neil Craig and many others are speaking out about it. Let's get some new blood in there. Let's get things changed. And um, man, I hope they don't ban me from commenting on their page again because they stopped me for a little while. But anyway, um, with that said, we're going to close it. We're going to finish up today. Thank you, Max, for your time. Thank you, everybody. Congratulations to all the podium uh, podium finishers this weekend at the ENATS, as well as the Euros. I did enjoy watching Tuba Drive, not so much Four Wheel Drive. I look forward to seeing everybody at Wicked Weekend coming up or this weekend. Tune in. I will be commentating on that. We have some cool things planned with uh, Jacob and Dave and D Danny's, as well as Lance, uh, the coverage that we're going to do. Uh, and yeah, if you see me, if you uh, see me there, just come up and say what's up and uh, get me get some decals from me. I will have some and uh, I can't wait. I'm excited. I got to go home. I got to pack. I got to get a haircut. I got to do all that stuff. Max, thank you for your time. Thank you to all of the NNRC squad around the world. We can't do it without you guys. Thank you for the support. Thank you to the patrons of the podcast as well as YouTube members. And uh, thank you to these awesome companies that support us. They are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Sampadal USA, Sai One of Fuel, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, uh, Logs Racing Tires, Stacked RC, Racecraft USA, Call RC. Shout out to uh, WRCE, House of RC. Shout out to our drivers, David Ronafalk, Jared Tebow, Robert Badio, and Alexander Hagberg. 
uh, Ignite Design RC. I'm getting my gas truck. I'm super happy about that. Thank you to Jimmy for that. We are Max and Lefty. We have probably pissed off some people, but that's all right. We <laughs> want to make things better. Uh, with that said, Max and Lefty, we're out. See you guys later. Bye-bye. See you guys.